0: Because the place is here and the time is now.
1: I have two words for you, predator drones You will never see it coming think
2: I'm joking? Drones are being used in drone strikes and I support that entirely and feel the president was
3: right There's a reason why we shouldn't be using drones It's because we don't just take out the target, we take out a lot of innocent civilians In these countries where these drones
4: attack that this is basically blowing up in our faces. We've seen the blowback all across the Middle
5: East. What if our foreign policy of the past century is deeply flawed and has not served our national security interests?
4: I hate categories. Categories okay if you're going to the grocery store. But for me, the categories
1: screwed a lot of people up. We'll
6: make everything metal. Blacker than the black is black times infinity.
0: Oh, all peace and love.
1: Free Thought
7: Radio, the best in underrated and underplayed music, as San Diego's only source for heavy metal and other genres that are ignored by mainstream radio, San Diego's only libertarian talk show in a conservative dominated market,
1: more hard-hitting journalism than even the professionals themselves, Free Thought Radio, free speech, free
8: expression, yeah.
6: Free Snowball!
8: Only on KKSM Oceanside, AM 1320, the radio revolution.
7: Podcast airing on LRN.FM, the Liberty Radio Network. As it applies to you and me, our country is free. Welcome everybody to Free Thought Radio, freethoughtmedia.org, every Monday live. From 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on KKSM, the Radio Revolution, and now uh, as well podcasting uh, throughout the week at LRN FM, the Liberty Radio Network. Uh, a lot of my favorite uh, talk shows are on there, from Adam Kokesh, uh, Adam versus the Man, uh, Tenther Radio, Anti War Radio, um, Pendulette Sunday School, um, and, and a lot of you know homegrown shows like Free Talk Live and Flaming Freedom and. It's just a great show for alternative viewpoints of the libertarian, voluntarist, and anarchist perspectives, and a great way to um, to find stuff that is uh, beyond what is uh, crammed down your throat and called news by these mainstream news sources. And a lot of that really ties into the two-party system, which ties into my first guest. Uh, his name is Richard Winger of Ballot Access News, and we're going to discuss really all the problems in regards to how the media, ballot access laws, and other factors really uh, are the reason why alternative parties uh, don't win. It's not because they don't have good ideas. It's because the information highway has a big roadblock in front of it, uh, and that roadblock is called CNN, MSNBC, so on and so forth joining me now is richard winger he's the founder of ballot access news and is the chair of the california chapter of free and equal elections foundation richard welcome to this program
9: Oh, thanks for having me
7: no problem so give us a bit of background on yourself and uh... how you got uh... into ballot access issues uh... how you became uh, expert on it and how you started ballot access news the website
9: well way back when i was in college I wanted to study which voters vote for minor parties that was way back in the early sixties and there were only three minor parties back then that actually tried to get on the ballot and run candidates and all three of them were so obscure and little known and yet they got surprisingly big votes for some offices anyway so i wanted to study who's voting for these parties but i was frustrated because in my own state of California there were no minor parties on the ballot and i i didn't understand why cuz they were on the ballot in other states that's when i started looking at the ballot access laws and it got so interesting that i never stopped being interested mm-hmm. in it
7: and uh what state uh were you referring to earlier with the uh, minor parties that uh actually did get a considerable amount of votes and which parties were that were those parties
9: well uh the three parties that actually ran candidates back then were the Prohibition Party, the Socialist Labor Party, and the Socialist Workers Party. Now, the Prohibition Party had been strong way back around 1900. You know, they wanted to ban alcohol. Mm-hmm. And But the Socialist Labor Party had never been strong. It was the original party of socialism in this country, went all the way back to 1877. And then the Socialist Workers' Party, they were Trotskyists, and they were on the subversive list. So uh, these were all very small parties, and and most people had never even heard of them. And yet, in California, when the Prohibition Party had last on the ballot in 1962, they got several hundred thousand votes. And uh, there were some some candidates of the Marxist parties that got surprisingly big votes, too. Uh, they were on the ballot in New York and Massachusetts and Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Wisconsin, Michigan, Minnesota, Colorado, Washington, uh, pretty regularly.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, so talk a bit about... Um how our founders,
7: uh, the, the, our, our founding fathers warned us against political parties and the state of ballot freedom throughout the early history of the United States until the late 1800s.
9: Yeah, that's a very good point. I'm glad you said that. The Madison, James Madison wrote Federalist Papers Number no. 10, which is one of the most famous of the Federalist Papers. And he said, factionalism is bad. But it would be even worse to, to outlaw factionalism than to just up with it. So he said the solution is make sure we have many factions. He said the worst possible deal would be to have just two factions. So in a sense, he was saying, well, we're going to have to put up with political parties because you just can't outlaw them. That's not a free country. So the best way to handle it is to make sure we have a multi-party system, not a two-party system. And it's so ironic that people quote Federalist Papers number 10 frequently, even Supreme Court justices, and they don't know what he said. <laughs> they say, oh, he's against factualism, therefore we have to keep third parties off the ballot. That's <laughs> actually what Ren- Chief Justice Rehnquist wrote in, uh, in a decision in the 1990s. Wow. I mean. He didn't even read it. It's so maddening. We had complete freedom for the people to start new parties in the 18th century and the 19th century. We had an unrestricted ballot access because the government didn't print the ballots back then. The parties printed the ballots and distributed them, and any voter could pick up any ballot he or she wanted, or the voter could make his own. Or I could say his or her, but it was mostly men that could vote back then. Mm-hmm so there was no way the government could stop people from starting new parties and it was three times in the nineteenth century an old major party died out and a new one rose to take its place the Federalists died out the national republican party rose to take its place then it died out the Whig party rose up it died out and the republican party came along but in the twentieth century we've been stuck with the same two parties and part of the reason is those two parties have written the ballot access laws in such a way that in many states, other parties just can't get started.
7: hmm And and certainly um, with uh, you know uh, a lot of parties being able to you know have their rise and fall simply because of an open system. And, and uh, back then, having freedom was a really good thing. And certainly with increased uh, suffrage and voting rights for. Uh, uh, a number of groups of people was <clears throat> a good thing, but unfortunately, uh, where they had freedom, the parties would consolidate, and even if they could vote, you know, they would be getting an illusion of choice that would violate their rights, anyways. Um, so, so what is the size of the mountain that people have to climb over? Uh, the, that the mountain being the two party system, given the major parties are funded by spe- special interests and are so very loyal to the Federal Reserve, and and is uh, and is a uh, and uh, how do people, you know, climb over that mountain of money power? And is right now a better time and a better environment to do so?
9: Well, it's not hopeless in all the states. Some states have very good laws. In 1998, Jesse Ventura was the Reform Party nominee for governor of Minnesota, and because Minnesota has public funding for candidates for state office and it's fair, it doesn't discriminate. Jesse Ventura was able to get some public funding. Another good thing about Minnesota was they have a tradition that when they have candidate debates, they invite all the candidates, not just the Democrat and Republican. Now, the Democrat and Republican candidates each had ten times as much money uh, as Ventura, but Ventura's having just one-tenth as much money as each of his major party opponents was good enough because he had a winning message, and he was included in all the debates. So he won. So you don't need to outspend the major party candidates to win. If you have some money and you have a winning message, people will respond to it. Uh, unfortunately, in some states, we have extremely discriminatory public funding. Connecticut is the worst. It's uh, unbelievable that, that they would even pass such a thing. If you're a Democrat or Republican, you can get public funding if you raise a certain amount of small donations in your district. But if you're an independent or the nominee of a new party, besides raising all the same small donations that your opponents have to do, which is reasonable, they also expect you to turn in a petition signed by 20% of the voters, and that it would cost so much money to get a petition signed by 20% of all the voters that it would eat up all, all the public funding. Lowell Liker testified in the lawsuit against this, and he was elected as an independent governor in 1990 before they had this law. He said, if you had this law when I ran, I couldn't have got elected. We won in U.S. District Court, but the Second Circuit reversed it two to one and, and upheld it. So that's the, the deal. Every state is different. Some states have fair laws, others have. Horrible laws,
7: mm-hmm. and you mentioned the debate process. Uh, certainly, um, if you're not able to make your case to the public, the public will not be able to know who you are and not be able to make an informed decision on voting. Uh, talk a bit about the Commission on Presidential Debates and uh, what we saw, especially in this election. Certainly opened my eyes. Uh, you know, not not just when uh, Green Party candidate Jill Stein and her vice-presidential running mate were taken off in handcuffs and detained uh... without a charge or or a trial in a in a you know they described it as a very uh... room that where they didn't know where they were and they were just held there for eight hours Um, describe the history of the commission on presidential debates and why keeping people out of the media and out of debates uh... uh, pretty much delegitimizes candidacies
9: well i'm glad you mentioned jill stein she and she was And so, with their vice presidential running mate, they were shackled for eight hours, tied to a chair, uh, just because they protested their exclusion from one of the the third of the major party presidential debates. the The commission on presidential debates was founded in 1987 by the recent past national chair of the Republican Party and the recent past national chair of the Democratic Party, and. uh, They run the debates, and so naturally they're not going to let anybody else in. They didn't even want to let Ross Perot in in 1992. But ironically, in 1992, both Bill Clinton and President Bush Sr., the first President Bush, they both wanted Perot in the debate with them. (laughs) So they told the commission and presidential debates, forget your rules. We want Perot in there. So that's the one time when the commissioning presidential debates was forced to let somebody else into one of their debates. And uh, Perot was in all three debates. He did very well, and that's why he did so well in the November 1992 election. When he reentered the race on October 1st, he was only at 7% in the polls. But because he was in the debates, he got 19%, and that just shows you what can happen. When you allow somebody else in to the debates, uh, since then they've never let anybody else in.
0: Mm-hmm.
7: And you know that that gets, goes to show what um, how much more votes uh, Jill Stein or, or Gary Johnson or or uh, Rocky Anderson could have gotten if they if they had just got you know gotten the media exposure that most people get their source from. You know, with someone like me, I have to actually you know kind of think outside the box, do my own research in order to find out who these guys even are, since uh, I'm not I'm not being uh, fed to it by the mainstream media.
9: You're right. Unfortunately, um, there were a few neutral public opinion polls last year where the pollsters had the wits, and I'm glad they did this, to ask the voters, have you ever heard of Gary Johnson? Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard of Jill Stein? And have you ever heard of Virgil Goode, the Constitution Party? Presidential nominee, and sadly, most people had not heard of him. So
1: something if you like sixty percent heard of
9: you. They're they're not going to think of voting for you. Mm-hmm.
7: And, and uh, for those just joining, I'm speaking with Richard Winger. He's the founder and publisher of Ballot Access News. Um, real quick, what's the uh, URL for Ballot Access News?
9: Um, www ballot, and then a hyphen. Some people call it a dash then the word access dot org
7: okay so uh, ballot dash access dot org and uh, he's also the chair of the California Free and Equal Elections Foundation so um what was the special deal with uh, governor Schwarzenegger and state legislator Maldonado to put proposition 14 on the ballot
9: well there's a new idea in this country it's an yet another way to reinforce the Democratic-Republican ballot monopoly. It's called the top two system. It was invented in Louisiana by former governor Edwin Edwards, who went to prison later for corruption. He thought thought it was a system to keep conservative Democrats in power in Louisiana. Uh, It didn't really achieve that. Um, But what it does is it says every candidate runs in the primary, every voter gets the same primary ballot, then only the top two candidates can run in November. And unfortunately, the general election campaign season is the prime um, public forum for discussing ideas in this country, political ideas. And when you shut out everybody but the Republicans and Democrats, well, then you get less circulation of ideas. Mm -hmm. And that's how it works. California and Washington state switched to the top two system. And it 's even worse in California and washington
0: mm-hmm.
7: actually because I want to tell you I, anecdotally I, in uh, in this past election, in my district for state assembly, I had two Republicans to choose from some choice
9: <laughs> <laughs> yeah that 's how it works in California, there was um, only two Republicans in the ballot in the thirty first u s House district in November, and this wow. is a district that voted overwhelmingly for President Obama in 2012 voted overwhelmingly for Dianne Feinstein but because of the weird way top two works the reason it turned out that way is there were four Democrats all of them strong in the primary and only two Republicans so each of the two Republicans happened to place first and second so even though most of the people voted for a Democrat there was no Democrat on the ballot in November so here's a Democratic district with only two Republicans on the ballot and no right in space The top two law even took away right-in space. So 22% of the voters in November 2012 just left it blank. Obviously, they were either Democrats or third-party people. They didn't feel like voting for a Republican. So what the top two system does is just strangle voter choice in the general election. Mm -hmm. The the way we got it, you started to ask me that, and I didn't answer it yet. The legislature put this idea on the ballot. We passed it in June 2010 here in California with 53.7% of the vote. The only reason they put it on the ballot was Senator Maldonado loved that system, and he said he would only vote for the budget if the legislature promised to put it on the ballot. So in the middle of the night, they finally broke down and said, okay, they wrote this thing, introduced it at 3 a.m., it was all passed by 6 a.m. with no public input. No chance for anybody to even read the bill. Much less have a public hearing, and that's how we got it.
7: Wow! And not only was it you know shadily put on the ballot, but I I was you know I was a uh, uh, you know politically aware and active um, as a especially as a libertarian and an independent minded person. Um, just hearing the yes on on fourteen ads on the airwaves um, certainly. <laughs> They had a, a big uh, sum of funding to be able to put those on the airways, whereas No on fourteen did not. Um, uh, given that uh, special interests uh, uh, are more attractive to top two, um, who was it funded by, and what was you know the distracting messaging that they used?
9: Oh, they tried to. First of all, they tried to trick people by calling it an open primary. That's misleading because open primary for over hundred years has been defined as a system where each party has its own primary ballot and its own nominees but on primary day any voter is free to choose any party's primary ballot that the voter feels like and that's that's almost half the states have open primaries and they work okay so everybody's heard about open primary it sounds good so by calling the top two system an open primary they got people confused and they outspent the proponents. Outspent uh, the opponents uh, twenty to one. Uh, it was backed by the Chamber of Commerce of California and the Silicon Valley Leadership Group and the consortium of the private health insurance companies, uh, Netflix CEO, um, wow. big banks. They they thought they they backed it because they thought it would eliminate far left Democrats. For instance, the the webpage of the health insurance private health insurance company lobby said if we get this we can get rid of all the supporters of um uh, single payer in the legislature. Well wow. I mean you can have an opinion about single payer that's either good or bad, but the point is they weren't even correct. It it doesn't do what they think it does. It it just creates random, crazy Results. Sometimes it puts two extremists on the ballot. Other times it doesn't.
7: Mm-hmm. Definitely. And um, brings me to this uh, next uh, few string of questions. Uh, what tips do you have to local libertarian, green, and other independent and third-party candidates who intend to run for a state or federal office to overcome top two? Like what? How do? How can they properly strategize to at least try and beat the system? Uh, who should they read? Which? Uh, uh, you know, targeting certain groups of voters, uh, a- a- any other kind of uh, facts or tidbits?
9: Uh, I'm afraid the only solution is to get rid of the system.
7: Mm-hmm.
9: Um, there was a libertarian, very strong candidate for Congress uh, Steve last Collette? year. Huh? Steve Colette. Yes, Steve Colette. thanks. <laughs> Good thing of was name. Yes, he spent a lot of money. Uh, he raised over $100,000. But, you know, he was running in a race um, with two incumbent congressmen and <laughs> they each spent, oh, I forget how many millions. Yeah. <laughs> so I, what I wish people would do is, if you live in California and you don't like the talk two system, please communicate with your state legislator and ask that they repeal it. They could put a repeal in the ballot. And for people who live in Southern California, especially Pasadena area. There's something else you could do that's pretty easy and might actually be fun if you have the time. We have a court hearing against one particular aspect of the top two in the Ninth Circuit on Wednesday, February 13th in the morning. Uh, the, the Ninth Circuit meets in in a beautiful courthouse in Western Pasadena. It's in a park. It's gorgeous. It's at 125 South Grand. but The parking's not hard. And the hearing will probably start around 10.30 a.m., and we're hoping that uh, we can take a chink out of it.
7: And will this be posted on Ballot Access News or the California Free and Equal uh, Elections Facebook? Um,
9: It is on Ballot Access News. I just blogged about the hearing this morning. It's right at the
7: top. Awesome. Uh, So uh, talk a bit about... um, your uh, lawsuit against prop 14, uh, proposition 14 I, I interviewed Christina Tobin not too long ago and she told me that they they actually slapped you with a fine for supposed damages of to the tune of a of a cool million dollars um, what what details can you divulge and, and can you uh, explain uh, just the kind of uh, uh, if it what kind of circus uh, this uh, it really has been to get our rights
1: back
9: well um Six voters and candidates filed a lawsuit against two particular problems with Prop 14, the top two system, and I was one of them. And we complained about two particular problems with it. The original Prop 14 was goofy on write-ins in the general election. It left write in space in the ballot, but it said write-ins could never be counted. Now well, that's nuts. You do not leave right in space on the ballot as a invitation to voters to cast the right in vote and then say, Oh, by the way, we are never going to count it. Even if the vote counting equipment suggested that right in candidate might have won, <laughs> you can't count the votes. It's just ludicrous. And the other thing we complained about was that, um, if you were a member of a qualified party, you could have your party label on the ballot. But if you were an independent candidate, you couldn't have the word independent on the ballot. And if you were a member of an unqualified party, you couldn't put your party on the ballot. So here, this is a perfectly respectable lawsuit on two strong points. And Judge Curtis Carnot said that our lawsuit injured the public interest and therefore we have to pay the attorney's fees for the proponents of top 14 who intervened in the case and claim they spent a lot of money on attorneys, a quarter million dollars. Now we're supposed to pay their legal bill. Wow. So we're appealing that of course.
7: Mm -hmm. Definitely. (laughs) It's just, it's just so, um, so maddening to hear stuff like that on, is there anything uh, activists like myself can do to hit the streets? Uh, any, any kind of signature gathering we could do uh, against Top Two? What ways can uh, besides um, calling our state legislatures can can we uh, get this word out about the Top Two system?
9: Well, the the most useful thing is to communicate with your state legislator. Just say, I really didn't like getting my November 2012 ballot. And seeing only two choices on the ballot for all the congressional and state legislative races, plus no right in space. By the way, I, I should I should say, after we filed our lawsuit, the legislature passed a bill this, last year, take it away right in space. So they they solved this problem of leaving right in space in the ballot and, and having a law saying you couldn't count them <laughs> by making it worse. They just took away right in space. Wow. It's unbelievable what the legislature is doing. This year, there's a bill, AB 141, by Assemblyman Jeff Gorel of Ventura County, to say that there should be more one-candidate elections on the ballot in November. Uh, The law now says if you come in first or second, you get to go in the November election, whether you're a write-in in the primary or not. Well, this bill would say, sorry, if you're a write-in, even though you come in second, in the primary, we're not gonna print your name on the November ballot unless you get about four thousand write ins. Wow. So if we had had that bill in effect in twenty twelve, there would have been eight congressional legislative races with only one person in the ballot and no right in space. So <laughs> they keep making it worse. It's unbelievable. I wish people would especially call Assemblyman Jeff Garrell and saying, Why are you trying to increase the number of one candidate elections?
7: Oh, that's just, that's completely absurd.
9: But I just think that people should, in general, ask their legislator to please introduce a bill to get rid of the top two system.
7: Definitely. And, um, I want to go back to, to tips for candidates, especially since you're, uh, chair of California free and equal elections and free and equal was very good at putting on debates with the, uh, alternative party candidates, um, especially this year with, uh, you know Larry King and RT and Al Jazeera airing it throughout the world. Um, what ways can candidates get into the debates here locally? Uh, and if you have any stories of debate exclusions or, or complete lack of debates locally, or lack of um, publicized debates like one, ones in high schools or or any kind of ones? Because the only debate we had down here in San Diego um, was at a Libertarian Party meeting, and uh, you know it was all the people running against Duncan Hunter Jr. And Duncan Hunter Jr. didn't show up, so but it was only for libertarians, so it wasn't as publicized. How can local candidates, whether from city council to state legislature, get into debates or create the the debates if they're not uh, for for more than just you know their own party constituents uh, for the public to view?
9: Well, Christina Tobin is very good at setting up debates. Um, she also set up the debate in twenty ten. For all the ballot-listed candidates for governor of California, and um, three of them showed up, and and that was the only gubernatorial debate we had all year in California. Except that finally Jerry Brown and meg Whitman debated each other once. Uh, I'm not as good as Christine about setting up debates, but I I think that um, the idea you just mentioned that the Libertarian Party of San Diego um, set up a debate for one congressional race is a great one and uh, also to the extent that your listeners are members of nonpartisan civic groups like the League of Women Voters or Common Cause or, or various local um, service clubs that are, the listeners should try to persuade these organizations to sponsor inclusive debates. Mm-hmm. There was an interesting debate Last year, for Congress, in the Waxman—I'm sorry, the the Berman—Sherman congressional race in the Central Valley, I mean the San Fernando Valley, it was sponsored by the uh, Northridge State University Associated Students. But we had the same old problem there. The Associated Students said they only wanted to debate uh, to invite candidates who had a realistic chance of placing first or second. So they invited the two incongruent congressmen who were running against each other, both Democrats, and they invited two Republicans, and that was it. There were three other candidates in the ballot, including the the Green Party had a professor candidate, but they wouldn't invite them. So it's mm-hmm. an ongoing problem.
7: Mm-hmm. So, so with local candidates, maybe they could... Um they could um, contact high schools or, or, or universities and, and have them put it on a public forum. Is that a way to create debates where they are absent?
9: Yeah, that's that's a good idea. Um, schools will do that, and sometimes you can persuade the schools to, to be fair and invite everybody who's on the ballot.
0: Definitely. And the
9: Lions Club, Rotary, Chamber of Commerce, all kinds of groups are in a position to sponsor debates. Sometimes they they don't think about it. So if, if one of their members says, hey, why don't we sponsor a debate? Well, that'll make it happen.
7: Definitely. For those just joining, I'm speaking with Rich, Richard Winger. He is the founder and publisher of Ballot Access News. Go to ballot-access.org. Um, so in Arizona, there was a top two um, uh, ballot initiative and it, it actually failed. Uh, what was the difference between the No on 14 campaign and the No on Arizona's top two measure that, that well, made it successful to allow it to fail.
9: Well, that's a very good question. As you said, the voters of Arizona voted on a top two system in November 2012, and it lost by more than two to one. Um, one reason is Arizona seems to have a good civic culture of, of debates on issues, and they have a lot of good forums about that initiative and that got the word out and also the funding on both sides for advertising was approximately equal and Christina Tobin who founded free and equal also toured around Arizona and she spoke public meetings we um, back in 2010 in California we didn't we didn't do that and I'm sorry we didn't it's a huge state, of course, California, and I don't know mm-hmm. if it would have made the difference, but, but it might have, you know. On election day, the voters in California in 2010, June 2010, who voted on the top two idea, the election day voters actually voted it down. But bo- the reason it passed is it had overwhelming support from the early voters, the absentee voters who vote early. We we did have a, a little radio campaign against. Top two. But it didn't get going until about two weeks before the election. And unfortunately a lot of the voters had already voted by then.
7: So let's let's talk a bit about um other ways that third parties get hampered and one way that I saw this election that really creeped me out was uh intimidation tactics um, by the Republican Party. Uh for example, um there were stories in Pennsylvania where they tried uh GLP was actively engaged in lawsuits to pull Gary Johnson off the ballot. Uh they uh had some people, th- these were the stories, that someone uh from the GOP who former FBI showed up at some people's houses with an FBI badge and tried to get them to people who collected signatures for the Libertarian Party, trying to trying to intimidate them to say that they falsified signatures so they could testify in the lawsuit. And then uh, in uh And many other states, and especially Michigan, the Republican secretary of state just didn't even put them on the ballot. But they gave them, you know, the consolation prize of official writing status where they got the most writing votes of any uh, presidential ticket in history. Um, What what are some ways that the two parties kind of just do really kind of Watergate style stuff to keep um, uh, alternative candidates off the ballot?
9: 2012 was very sad because the Republican Party had not done that sort of thing before. The Democrats have a long history of trying to keep certain independent and minor-party presidential candidates off the ballot. The Democrats first tried that in 1936 against a third-party candidate who was in Congress, William Lemke. And they tried in 1948 to keep Henry Wallace a former vice president of the United States who was a third-party candidate for president, off the ballot. They tried to keep John Anderson off the ballot in 1980. Uh, They really tried to keep Ralph Nader off the ballot in 2004. But the Republicans had not done that before. So it's really sad that, that the good, quote, good major party lost its goodness in 2008, The Republican Party of Pennsylvania challenged the Libertarians. Bob Barr was the candidate that year. It didn't work. We won in court. And then in 2012, they did it in a big way. They challenged the Libertarian petition in Pennsylvania, and they challenged Gary's ballot petition in Iowa. That didn't work either. We beat them in court. Um, in Ohio they filed a complaint that Gary Johnson should not be on the ballot because he had run in a few presidential primaries in other states <laughs> that didn't work but it did work that dirty trick worked in Michigan where as you said where they said that Gary Johnson couldn't be on the ballot in November because he had run in the Michigan Republican presidential primary we went to court and we said this can't be the right interpretation of the law because Michigan let John Anderson be on the November ballot in 1980, and he had run in the Republican presidential primary in Michigan that year. And we should have won that case, but we just got low-quality judges. Mm -hmm. So like you said, Gary Johnson had to be a write-in, and he got 7,700, which was pretty good for a write-in presidential candidate. As you said, it was the most write-ins ever tallied in a Michigan general election
7: definitely and um as a as a final word what other ballot access news from from 2012 uh would you like to share um with our listeners and, and what is in store for 2013 and 2014 uh wh- whether um whether uh any new top two initiatives are coming up or or any other ways that third parties can be limited or even even liberated what uh, what what does uh what, what do you and Ballot Access and, and Free and Equal have planned for 2014 and, and beyond?
9: Well, the best way we can improve things is by persuading state legislatures to pass bills that improve the Ballot Access laws. And I'm happy to say we have 10 states now where bills have been introduced to improve the Ballot Access laws. And in one state, it's already passed one house of the legislature. And in two states, it's passed the committee. So I'm, I'm happy about that. We're going to get some more good ballot access bills introduced in the next few days.
7: Cool. So, um, uh, what, what about uh, uh, for free and equal elections?
9: Well, they're going to put up um, news about all these bills on the Free and Equal webpage very soon.
7: Awesome. Well, uh, Richard Winger, thank you very much for stopping by the show. Richard Winger is the publisher and founder of Ballot Access News. I encourage everyone who cares about having a real choice in the election to head over to ballot-access.org and stay updated, because if you don't know what's going on, you're not going to see them take away your rights from underneath your feet. Richard, thanks again for stopping by the program.
9: Thank you so much, Alex.
7: And that was my guest, Richard Winger of Ballot Access News. You could find the podcast, if you missed any part of it, at mediafire.com slash freethoughtradio. Also on iTunes, if you look for Freethought and, and look for Freethought AAC on the iTunes store. Or simply tune in to www.lrn.fm, the Liberty Radio Network, uh, during the weekly podcast loop on their uh, shows, which is Monday through Friday at 12 to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Saturday 1 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time, and Sunday 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. So it's more of a like a rotation format, so I can't tell you exactly when the show will be airing, but uh, just go to lrn.fm, check out uh, when the weekly podcast loop airs, and listen during that time, um, and you uh, may be able to catch not just my show, but many great shows um, um, that, that um, are weekly, uh, such as uh, Penn's Sunday School, Penn Gillette from Penn & Teller, the Police Accountability Report from Copblock.org, Scott Horton's show, uh, used to be the antiwar.com radio show, uh, Sex, Lies, and Anarchy, uh, uh, The Voluntary Life, Tenther Radio, um, and also great um, shows like Adam versus the Man, their homegrown shows like Free Talk Live, and flaming freedom which is a LGBTQ libertarian anarchist uh, show um, a lot of a lot of a lot of great talk shows um, to get you weaned off the neoconservative AM radio monopoly and, and speaking of lRN Fm that makes me able to uh, play the cop block police accountability report as today's Kksm News Brief.
10: before you cross the streets you better look bold.
8: Or we'll throw you in the bogey for a dozen days And all around the county every woman in man knows We'll pull you over just to play our banjo
3: The Police Accountability Report oh, Brought to you by CopLock.org CopLock is a decentralized banjo. project Supported by a diverse group of individuals United by their shared goals of police accountability Education of individual rights And the dissemination of effective tactics To utilize while filming police that's the plan joe throw you in the key Joe. from Keene in the shire the liberty media capital of the world this is daryl w perry host of the police accountability report brought to you by copblock.org this week a couple of stories that should cause anyone critically thinking to see that those wearing badges aren't always operating with the best of intentions A former Des Moines, Iowa police officer has been given probation for using excessive force on a man during a 2008 traffic stop. The Des Moines Register reports John Maylander was sentenced earlier this month to four months of home confinement and three years of probation. He had previously pled guilty to obstruction of justice. Maylander was one of two officers accused of excessive force during a 2008 traffic stop. Merced Doltovich was given a five-year sentence in December that will run concurrently with a federal 20-month sentence. Both Maylander and Doltovich were accused of beating Octavius Bonds with their batons. Bonds and Aaron Evans, the driver of the car, sued the city, which paid $500,000 to settle the case. In other news, a former police officer and auxiliary deputy in Portsmouth, Virginia, was sentenced this week to two years in prison on charges of taking indecent liberties with a child. The charges against George Billy Vick were filed in 2011 and were connected to offenses that happened between 1991 and 1996, according to court records. Vic, a cousin of Portsmouth Sheriff Bill Watson, was in charge of training inmates in construction trades before he was charged. Watson was subpoenaed to testify at the sentencing in Chesapeake Circuit Court and did so, saying Vic spent about three years teaching inmates how to install drywall and insulation and pour concrete. Vic spent 19 years as a police officer before working as an auxiliary deputy. Judge John W. Brown sentenced Vic to five years in prison on each of the three charges of indecent liberty. The judge suspended four years and four months on each, leaving two years of active time. Vic entered an offered plea in May 2012. The plea means he did not admit guilt, but acknowledged he probably would have been convicted had the case gone to trial. And finally, a judge set bail at $500,000 last week for a suburban chicago police officer accused of causing a traffic accident that killed two people in a wrong way collision on chicago's lakeshore drive during the hearing prosecutors said terrell garrett's blood alcohol content after friday's wreck was measured at 0.184 which is well over twice the legal limit the north chicago police officer is charged with two counts each of a reckless homicide and aggravated driving under the influence of alcohol Garrett was in serious condition at Advocate Illinois Masonic Medical Center and did not attend the hearing. Witnesses said Garrett's car was driving at least 60 miles an hour as it sped in the wrong direction on the scenic highway where the speed limit is 45. The collision totaled both cars and killed 25 year old Joaquin Garcia and his friend Fabian Torres, who is 27. Relatives of the men said they could not believe that the judge granted bond for Garrett, who wasn't on duty at the time of the crash. Garrett, who has been relieved of his police powers, has been placed on administrative leave from his job in North Chicago. That's this week's police accountability report brought to you by CopBlock.org. I hope you'll take a moment to consider just what it is you are being forced to pay for with taxation and speak out against the violence. Until next week, stay safe and remember that badges don't grant extra rights.
8: And
7: as far as traffic goes in North County, San Diego... There is a 35-miles-per-hour slowdown at the 15 northbound north on Carroll Canyon Road. And the weather outside in San Marcos, where KKSM wonderfully broadcasts out of, is 61 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, Broadcasting live from KKSM, my name is Alex Fiddle, host of Free Thought Radio. That was your news. Up next, going in the uh, direction of ballot access and ballot freedom, Uh, first up is Freedom of Choice by Devo, speaks for itself. And then afterwards, Static Age by the Misfits, because I think that ties into the fact that the TV media has a lot to do why Gary Johnson and Jill Stein and uh, Ron Paul's candidacies were all delegitimized and just in fact, you know, they didn't even get it like people don't know them just because they're not on TV. The main source of information for most of the mainstream uh, American public. So, this is Freedom of Choice by Devo. And then, after that, Static Age by The Misfits, KKSM, The Radio Revolution, and LRN.FM, The Liberty Radio Network. Be right back.
6: You want to dance? Maybe you could do a little dance for me. KKSM
11: AM 1320 Oceanside. The Radio Revolution.
1: Are you tired of governments murdering people around the world? Stop using their money. There is an alternative. Bitcoin is a stateless, free-market, non-political currency. Bitcoin cannot be inflated or controlled by any government. By using their money, you're helping the state.
7: Stop doing it. You have an incredible alternative available now. Learn it. Use it.
3: Spread it. Get started with Bitcoin at weusecoins.com. That's
8: weusecoins.com. What does freedom mean? Tune in to LRN.FM to find out. LRN.FM is the Liberty Radio Network, a collection of live talk radio and podcasts, all coming from a principled pro-Liberty perspective. LRN.fm show hosts aren't left, right, or conspiracy kooks. You can tune in 24-7 to LRN.FM via your phone, computer, satellite, and more. Listen free anytime at LRN.FM. That's LRN.FM. Hey Am
7: I driving okay? I think we're back, On your radio at AM 1320. On your TV at Cox Cable 957, and online at PalomarCollegeRadio.com. KSM, the radio
1: revolution.
7: Welcome back to Free Thought Radio, FreeThoughtMedia.org, um, and it is 6:50. Time for the KKSN News Brief. San Diego here locally has turned into a drone zone. From the Union Tribune, Southern California might become one of the few areas in the country where industry, business, and government could broadly fly unmanned aerial vehicles over land, an idea that rankles the American Civil Liberties Union, which says such flights could lead to spying on the public. A coalition uh, led by the San Diego Military Advisory Council and the San Diego Regional Economic Development Corporation is asking the Federal Aviation Administration to declare a large area of Southern California as a test range for pilotless aircraft. The FAA plans to create six test zones in the US in an effort to integrate drones into domestic airspace. There is currently no oversight into how drones are used for judicial purposes whether for whether for surveillance or to deliver the death penalty to citizens without charge or trial however we should have been paying attention to the human rights atrocities in other countries before we are surprised that it has come home our nationalist sentiments only care about when it affects us and not others in national news Bitcoin soars Bitcoin A decentralized alternative digital cryptocurrency, which is not tied to any banks and thus free from the stains of blood from wars for oil, uh, comprises a $1 billion marketplace and its value today has exceeded over $100 per Bitcoin. It has become a new safe haven for bank depositors who don't want to see their accounts wiped out because elite bankers engage in currency debasement for the profits Of those bank owners but at the loss of the currency's value and thus a loss of the well-being of the people Cyprus has even gotten the world's first Bitcoin ATM in wake of their fiscal really disaster that they almost had or really masked in other news the LAPD is continuing their abuses damage control of the killing of Christopher Dorner was not the only attempt by the LAPD to silence whistleblowers of their notorious disregard for the laws that they are supposed to enforce. Police Chief Charlie Beck was gung-ho on cleaning up the place. However, a mother and a nurse was body-slammed to the pavement during a routine traffic stop, and another woman, pulled over for a cell phone use, was beaten and bloodied by cops, who celebrated that beating with a fist bump. Beck's attempt to quell the public were very superficials as more abuses such as those continue to this day. A New York judge declares following the law is not suspicious. Have you ever stopped at a stop sign? So why are you being so lawful? Do you have something to hide? This creepy overzealousness, of course, you know I'm just <laughs> mimicking their uh, rationale for pulling people over for following the law. you know the creepy overzealousness of the police state just got shut down by a new york judge kathleen rogers just as it is not an admission of guilt to not consent to searches this is a powerful blow for the ability of police officers to act like the hessian mercenaries of the british empire in the american colonies and which included them boarding themselves in other people's houses uh... which led to the third amendment meaning that soldiers may not cordon themselves off in civilians homes in other news, an audit shows that federal stimulus money was going to existing programs of course, corporate and government cronies fattened a women's college rejects a transgendered student a transgender high school student had her uh, that that is you know um, her actual um, you know physical gender not her prefer or not her uh, pro- gender pronoun um, uh, her application to a prestigious all women's college denied because she is tagged as. Legally male on government documents, prompting a vocal online and social media campaign on her behalf. Calliope Wong, a Connecticut senior who was born a male but has identified fe- as female since adolescence, actually, never mind, I, I mixed that up, sorry, um, that her was uh, uh, Calliope's uh, gender pronoun, uh, born a male, um, uh, says Smith College in Northampton, Massachusetts twice opted not to read her application and returned it in the mail the weather outside in San Marcos where KKSM broadcasts out of is 61 degrees and there are no traffic problems uh, uh, except for 5 northbound at East Street and Bonita Road but I don't think that's anywhere near North County San Diego uh, broadcasting live from KKSM this has been your news break We'll have more headlines throughout the show. Be sure to tune in. In the next hour, I have a special on the Drone Diego protests that are happening this weekend to protest drones all over the country, not just for their domestic use, but for their international use and how they kill civilians uh, with our tax dollars uh, and against our consent. Uh, I I really, really don't want to buy into the nationalists' nativist arguments that we should only care about drones when it affects american citizens Um, we should care about when it kills innocent pakistanis yemenis somalians uh, wherever it is now in the world uh, in our name but first up is sam with the showing scalp flat top by frank zappa and we'll be back with more Free Thought Radio on KKSM, The Radio Revolution, and
6: LRN.FM. Why, when I was knee high to a grasshopper, this black juice came out on a hard shell chant, and they called that tobacco
0: juice.
6: I used to fiddle with my back feet music for a black onyx. My tar room absorbed every echo. The music was Thud like. The music was Thud like. I usually played such things as roughneck and thug. Opaque melodies that would bug most people. Music from the other side of the fence. A black swan figurine lay on all-color lily pads on a little conglomeration table of pressed black felt with same color shadows and seam knob knees and whatnots the long hallway rolled out into oddball odd Beside the fly-pecked black doorway That looked closed on the tar-ladder street Up a wrought iron fire escape Rolled out a tiny wooden platform with dark Hard Dark Rubber wheels Roll squeak Roll a street. Roll a street. Sam was a showing scalp flat top. Particular about the point it made. Sam was a basket case. A hard dark, ivory clip held sailable pencils I
0: wish I had a pair of bongos
6: Bongo theory Bongo. Theory.
1: you feel like there's nothing you can do about the inexorable growth of government i did too before i heard about the free state project the free state project is a project to get 20,000 liberty lovers to move to new hampshire to have liberty in our lifetimes early movers for the fsp are getting elected involved in their communities and participating in civil disobedience call 888 377-2515 now to learn more about the free state project 888-377-2515 or visit freestateproject.org
8: What does freedom mean? Tune in to LRN.FM to find out. LRN.FM is the Liberty Radio Network, a collection of live talk radio and podcasts, all coming from a principled pro-Liberty perspective. LRN.FM show hosts aren't left, right, or conspiracy kooks. You can tune in 24-7 to LRN.FM via your phone, computer, satellite, and more. Listen free anytime at LRN.FM. That's LRN.FM. You're listening to KKSM AM 1320 Oceanside.
7: And welcome back to Free Thought Radio. Uh, Mondays, 6 to 9 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. KKSM AM 1320, Cox Cable Channel 957. And the site is freethoughtmedia.org. And you can listen to podcasts of the show uh, throughout the week at lrn.fm, the Liberty Radio Network. Now coming up this week is the San Diego, uh, part of the National Anti-Drone Days of Action. Let me uh, tell you a bit about the um, the schedule for the anti-drone protest before I get to my guests. And please use the hashtag DroneDiego. Uh, this Thursday, April 4th, from 3 to 6 p.m., the San Diego Veterans for Peace are having a demonstration at General Atomics. Uh, and General Atomics does produce the Predator drones. Uh, it is at... General Atomics Way and Scripps Poway Parkway. Um, Please, uh, it is, uh, if you go on the uh, I-15, go east on Scripps Poway Parkway until you hit the intersections of General Atomics Way. Um, There is parking. And again, this is all nonviolent. It is, we are there to lend our voices, not our bodies. Um, Or, you know, simply signs. Please feel free to be as artful as possible. Go to Michaels and pick up um, big poster board, and 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 uh, feel free to express yourself through art. Uh, Seven to eight p.m., the Overpass Light Brigade will be at Claremont Drive uh, on the bridge over the I-5. Uh, Overpass Light Brigade does you know the light brights uh, and and dis- and uh, portrays messages through that over. Uh, overpasses, bridges, and uh, this will be drone-themed, of course. That is 7 to 8 p.m., so April 4th, Thursday. that was. Uh, uh, it's at General Atomics uh, in Scripps Poway Parkway and General Atomics Way, and then later in the night, overpass, brigade at Claremont Drive. April 5th, Friday, is 10 a.m., rally at the General Atomics headquarters at 3,500 General Atomics Court in La Jolla, and it's coordinated by Code Pink, Women for Peace, Uh, and, um, 4 to 6 PM demonstration and bannering at Northrop Grumman, who is another drone manufacturer at 9326 Spectrum Center Boulevard and Ruffin Road, San Diego. And they are asking you to wear black and it's coordinated by Code Pink, Women for Peace. Again, on April 5th, Friday, 630 to 930 PM, uh, it is an an assembly with dinner, socializing and more location in Southeast La Jolla. For more info, email Martha Sullivan. And this is all from the website www.sdcpj.org, the San Diego Center for Peace and Justice. And again, uh, 78 p.m. is overpass library in the same Claremont Drive bridge. April 6th, Saturday, 1 to 3 p.m. Join them at the Midway Aircraft Carrier Museum. Uh, Harbor Drive, south of Broadway, downtown San Diego, for a demonstration. Please wear black. Uh, coordinated by Women Occupy. And uh, six PM dinner and seven to nine PM Forum with Medea Benjamin of Code Pink, Pedro Rios from AFSC San Diego, and many others at Church of the Brethren three eight five zero Westgate Place, San Diego. And again, uh seven fifteen to eight fifteen PM overpass light brigade at forum site um, at that church place. April 7th on Sunday is 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. General Assembly assembly and Workshops is at the Centro Cultural de la Raza at 2004 Park Boulevard, San Diego. Um, Again, for all the complete schedule of the National Anti-Drone Days of Action, Drone Diego in San Diego, California, April 4th through 7th, 2013. Visit www.sdcpj.org. And my guests... Uh, For right now, um, I have two guests coming up. First up is Dave Patterson from San Diego Veterans for Peace. And then after that, Gabe Conaway from Canvas for a Cause, a sponsoring organization of the Drone Diego uh, events. Um, They, Veterans for Peace themselves do one at the General Atomic site on Scripps Valley Parkway once a week on on every Thursday, uh, 3 to 5. And I went to one where... I actually went to a few of them this hasn't happened in the ones i went after but the first two i ever went to i had my picture taken by someone from general atomics and if any of you remember you know what it's like to live in like nazi germany or soviet union or other kind of status fascist you know top-down societies secret police take pictures of you well how is this any different from such orwellian societies where we got our pictures taken of by the people that produce these killer drones it's it's very very sad um so let me get to that interview that we recorded live at one of those things right after the guy took a picture of us i made a note to start recording our interview after that happened joining me now is dave patterson we're here live on scripps power parkway and general atomics way at the weekly protest of general atomics who manufacture the predator drones of course Dave is the, uh, is part of Veterans for Peace of San Diego, which puts on this protest. Dave, thank you very much for joining the program here live at the uh, anti-drone protest. Okay, thank you very much. I'm very uh, happy to be here. And uh, the reason I started to interview just right now, because uh, this one guy came out, like happened the other week, came out and started taking our pictures. What do you think that represents about America, which is supposed to be about freedom and, and privacy and, and not Orwellianism?
10: Yeah, I don't know. I don't mind them taking my picture, you know. <laughs> I hope they have insurance on their lens, though.
7: <laughs> so, so tell us about how these protests uh, started, um, why you wanted to do them, and um, and what the spirit of it is.
10: Well, uh, we've talked about doing this for a couple of years now, but then uh, the amount of information that was leaking out last uh, mid, by the middle of the last year about uh, how... Uh, how many people were being killed, and then the domestic use, and it was just totally crazy. So we said we had to do it, you know. We we're, we're, were a little reluctant because we don't want to demonstrate against the people at work here. They're, they're feeding their families, and they're, you know, earning good pay, and they're, I'm sure they, you know, think uh, what they're doing is right. And indeed, there are a lot of good things they do with these drones. Uh, however, it's gone so far over to the uh, bizarre side that we had to get out here and start uh, letting people know that we need. We're basically out here to demonstrate for oversight. We need oversight on the domestic side. We need oversight on weaponized drones. And uh, there's just there's just too many things that are really really wrong with uh, this technology, and it's making it too easy to start wars and kill people without. Any sacrifice on our part—very scary.
7: And the oversight goes into the to the kill list that determines who gets assassinated um, by these drones overseas. And it was just released the other a couple of days ago about the protocols, and it's all very, very vague. Uh, what, what do you? Uh, what's your take on those uh, newly released cables?
10: Well, I saw the white paper uh, about you know how they justify just killing people or killing Americans, I guess. With these, with this technology, and it's all very—I uh, mean, honestly, I think a 16-year-old uh, could have written a better paper. It's just too crazy the way they wrote that. It just doesn't make any sense. I mean, it would get ripped apart in any court of law, which is why they keep it secret because it's all BS.
7: And Veterans for Peace is a, is a group of veterans that stand against the use of war as a national policy. Um, what disturbs you about the fact that the people operating the drones are not military? They are CIA employees. Uh, do, they, do they fall under a different uh, code? Do they not have to you know, take the same oath of honor to uphold the Constitution as, as, as the veterans
1: do?
10: Yeah, well, that's true. They don't have to. Of course, the ones we know about are operated by uh, Air Force people in uh, Nevada or someplace else. But, you know, I don't think it's that simple. Uh, Of course, that, you know, regarding uh, international law, these type of weapons are supposed to be maintained and uh, flown by, uh, operated by uniformed military. So they sort of get away with it because they say, oh, the guy in Nevada is, you know, a uniformed military guy. So I guess, I don't know, maybe they you know, split hairs that way. But but in fact, I don't think it's that simple because I have uh, my experience in the military is that... um, Uh, Even pilots that are risking their own lives can do really bad things and make really bad judgments. So it's not that simple. Even though we have to adhere to international law and I don't believe we're
7: doing that at the moment. Do you think that since it's uh, essentially like playing a video game with someone else's lives, do you think it desensitizes the person to not? think about it the same way what, what kind of is there a dehumanization that goes on what's your what's your take on on, uh, on the fact that the person's not actually there uh, they're a thousand mile or, or half a world away uh,
10: you know I don't know uh, how that affects the person piloting it but I, I know how it affects the people over there in Waziristan oh, they yeah. say they can't sleep because they hear these uh, planes play, these drones playing above above their heads at night and uh, they're worried that they're not going to wake up. That's terrorism. And, uh, you know, it's sort of like, how how can we just, we're not even at war with that place, you know? So the other thing, interesting thing about drones to me is that it just makes it too easy to fight wars. You know, we used to say, you know, when we decided, well, hopefully decided whether or not to fight wars, we would say, well, are we going to, is this worth whatever it is we're fighting over? Worth uh, sacrificing our own blood, you know, our sons and daughters and that of our friends. And that should be part of the decision. But now I hear people saying, oh, well, it's good because we don't have to send our own sons and daughters. And that is a really sad commentary on the way Americans are thinking these days about war. Maybe it's from the Bush era when they invaded Iraq and everybody's sitting at home watching the shock and awe, drinking beer and eating potato chips, you know, entertainment. And they were blowing up Baghdad. Really sick. Sick.
1: Describe for our listeners uh, your
7: history in the military and uh, why you decided to join Veterans for Peace.
10: I was uh, Air Force in Thailand during the Vietnam War, and I was a uh, fighter-bomber repair guy. I worked on the weapons systems and radars and stuff. And uh, I spent four years in there and two years uh, in the reserves afterward working on uh, special ops helicopters. And uh, I really kind of knew that, you know, the whole Vietnam thing was a mess. I mean, it was obvious that, that uh, we were, shouldn't have been there. But I, I was just. I, but when Bush started beating the drums of war about Iraq, where there was no evidence that it was any kind of a threat to us, that's when I really started thinking: How can we do this again? You know, it's unbelievable. And sure enough, they did it again, and
7: and that drove me into Veterans for Peace. I've been out here ever since. Definitely, and I know. Uh, they even like directly out of, uh, before or directly after 9/11. When contemplating who to go to war with, they were saying, "Let's get Iraq first and before they even uh, considered Afghanistan."
10: Yeah, how about that? You know, I mean, let's see. Oh, we got to get Saddam. He's a bad guy. You know, that is all about oil. You know that. I know it. It's it's uh, really sad commentary on what we as Americans are allowing our government to do. So I wish we had more people out here because we can't let them get away with this either.
7: Even though today is February 7th and we're reporting live after we got our pictures taken, this is going to air on, uh, this is airing on April 1st, the week of Drone Diego, the main kind of convergence of, uh, to get a lot of people out here for a whole weekend, not just one Thursday. Talk a bit about the events, uh, the main kind of drone protests happening exactly right here, uh, except it's April 4th through the 7th, the entire weekend. Describe the event and, and, and how people can reach out and help.
10: Well, uh, that whole month now, uh, there are uh, there's a consortium of a lot of groups across the nation, and internationally as well, uh, that are planning on events uh, during the month of April. So uh, I was talking to, uh, to them on a conference call on Wednesday night, and they were telling us that our declaration that we're going to launch a big demo on April 4th at General Atomics was the, the word that... Uh, Launched uh, a thousand demonstrations because they got people signing up from all over the country now, and and you can you can go to the uh, No Drone Network. It's a, a blog site. Uh, just one word: No Drone Network. And then there's another one, No Drone spelled K-N-O-W, which uh, they have a lot of uh, materials for people to get into, and you can get links to the other one. And there's a lot of things going on. So April 4th, uh, Thursday, we're going to kick off with a demo here. And uh, we're hoping to get a lot of people from around the country to come here. And then uh, Friday night will be, or Friday, we're hoping to demonstrate uh, maybe at Northrop Grumman in town. And then uh, Saturday, we likely will be at the Embarcadero, and we're asking people from L.A. and above to come down on a peace train and join us. And then we'll have uh, keynote speakers, event. Which I think is going to be in uh, Hillcrest, and so then uh, Sunday we'll be doing something else. So it should be really good, and that's the kickoff for uh, what's going to be a very interesting month regarding drones. So this uh, No Drone Network, they they kind of broken it down into manufacturing, uh, research, and the other one is uh, bases, drone bases. So wherever there's a drone operating base. Uh, such as in uh, Northern New York, they're going to go out there. And uh, down Nevada, I think there's actually one over here in Temecula. And then uh, then we'll be going to a lot of different manufacturers of drones, of which there are many, and uh, sort of hanging out there doing demonstrations and trying to bring, you know, light to the fact that they're getting ready to, uh, they're even talking about weaponizing uh, domestic uh, drones that the law enforcement wants. So get ready, because it'll be Fahrenheit 451 with a robo-dog chasing you down the street anytime soon.
7: Definitely. It's definitely some scary stuff. Well, Dave Patterson from San Diego Veterans for Peace, thank you very much for joining the program. Thank you, sir. And that was Dave from San Diego Veterans for Peace talking about Drone Diego. Uh, up next, we're going to have uh, Gabe Conaway from uh, Canvas for a Cause to discuss Not only Drone Diego, but Bradley Manning, um, Trans-Pacific Partnership, and many other things. But first, I'm going to play one song, Haunted Earth by Toxic, and that's spelled with a K. And they actually got back together. Check out their Facebook page. Facebook is uh, Toxic, spelled with a K, Toxic 2013. This is from their first album, World Circus. Kind of seems a little relevant, huh? This one is called Haunted Earth, and we'll be right back with more drone diego here on kksm the radio revolution and lrn.fm liberty radio
1: network
10: governments murdering people around the world? Stop using their money. There is an alternative. Bitcoin is a stateless, free market, non-political currency. Bitcoin cannot be inflated or controlled by any government. By using their money, you are helping the state. Stop doing it. You have an incredible alternative available now. Learn it, use it, spread it. Get started with Bitcoin at weusecoins.com. That's weusecoins.com.
9: KKSM is on Facebook. We're so excited to be part of the social media world that we called up random people in the phone book to let them know.
2: KKSM's on Facebook. What do you think about that?
9: That's <laughs> hilarious.
10: I don't even know what you're talking about. I'm not in the mood to play. Can I have somebody with some sense, please?
4: I I don't I have three other calls on the line that have got customers on the
9: phone.
0: What is your name, sir? <laughs> is
9: there anyone out there that speakers that might I don't I'm not understanding you?
6: Put somebody on there with some education. I cannot hear you, sir. Are you talking to a speakerphone or are you smoking? Well, bless your heart, you need to go take a nap. Like us on
8: Facebook, facebook.com slash radio. Are you some kind of mongoloid moron? What does freedom mean? Tune in to LRN.FM to find out. LRN.FM is the Liberty Radio Network, a collection of live talk radio and podcasts, all coming from a principled pro-Liberty perspective. LRN.FM show hosts aren't left, right, or conspiracy kooks. You can tune in 24 7 to LRN.FM via your phone, computer, satellite, and more. Listen free anytime at LRN.FM. That's LRN.FM. You're
2: listening to KKSM AM 1320 Oceanside. Lasers, Unicorn Guitar Solos, KKSM.
7: Welcome back to Free Thought Radio. Mondays, 6 to 9 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on KKSM AM 1320, which is North County, San Diego. Cox Cable Channel 957 in all of San Diego and streaming live at PalomarCollegeRadio.com as well as FreethoughtMedia.org and podcasts airing throughout the week of the weekly podcast Loop of LRN.FM, the Liberty Radio Network. Now, my guests up next, um, uh, with the organization Canvas for a Cause, they're an LGBTQ rights organization. They do a lot of uh, issues regarding that in addition to medical cannabis and a lot of uh, other uh, great issues. Um, we interviewed uh, sort of directly after the uh, free Bradley Manning protest of the uh, thousand days of his imprisonment and a, a portion of it was aired on the Monday after that on the show. And this is the full interview and we also get into drones as well. Um, so without further ado. Joining me now is Gabe Conaway. He's from Canvas for a Cause, a great LGBT rights organization and they also do a lot of work for a lot of other great issues as well, based out of Hillcrest in San Diego, California. Gabe, welcome to the program. All
2: right, Thank you, Alex.
7: No problem. So, so tell us a bit about yourself and what Canvas for a Cause does.
2: Well, I've we, uh, um, um, uh, been here about six years. I was active in progressive community organizing um, for most of that, and about a year ago, um, I joined Canvas for a Cause, honestly, just um, um, I, uh, my uh, last, last, I to I for this, and then the business closed down. I was looking for something to do, and I knew a lot of the activists there and just joined on. Um, the great organization, we Canvas and fundraise around two major issues. Those issues are LGBT rights and um, medical cannabis um, rights, um, but we are in solidarity and organized around everything, basically, around the progressive left, honestly, from workers' rights to um, the environment, um, anti-war issues um, and um, the border issues, especially being here in San Diego, mm-hmm. um, to, um, you know, uh, every, uh, all, the inter- all the intersectionality of um, LGBT lives, basically, um, anti-racism and police brutality. You um, can think of um, on a progressive spectrum. Um, we're
7: there, definitely. And, and uh, for our listeners, uh, explain the reason why we need the term LGBTQ. Uh, explain why it's a it's a unity thing uh, between all the different queer communities.
2: Well, when no, when most no people think about um, gay rights or LGBT rights, they think about things like um, gay marriage and um, and uh, don't ask, don't tell. But honestly. Um, as, as an oppressed minority, we are, um, subjects to, um, the extremes of, um, you know, all socioeconomic and, um, um, oppression. I mean, uh, racism is worse for, um, queer and, and trans, um, for gay and trans, um, uh, people. Uh, houselessness is, is, worse for us. So really, um, all issues, um, of, um, oppression affect us more. So um, that's the way we look at it, and we try to have solidarity um, among all those issues. Mm-hmm.
7: Definitely. And I want to switch gears. Uh, we were at the, uh, the vigil to uh, mark the 1,000 days without due process uh, for Private First Class Bradley Manning, the alleged uh, WikiLeaks uh, document um, source. Give us a bit give us a bit of background on Bradley Manning for uh those of our listeners who, who don't know who he is or, or what his circumstances are.
2: Well, uh Manning is uh is the alleged WikiLeaks whistleblower. Um it is alleged that um they uh leaked um millions of documents, such as um a video that um shows actually three bi- violations of the Geneva conventions and war crimes uh committed in Iraq. Um the um, the tribe of Iraq and Afghan war logs, the Guantanamo files, um, uh, young Army private who um, saw a lot of terrible things um, that our government was doing and could no longer sit quiet. Um, intelligence analysts um, had access to these things, released them and was unfortunately reached out to a, a um, an LGBT um, hacker um, for for support on um, both professionally and uh, and emotionally, and that hacker unfortunately turned turned into yeah. it's been over a thousand days now. A lot of that time was under severe circumstances of solitary confinement, sensory and um, um, deprivation, forced nudity, a lot of Guantanamo-style things. Um, it's, a, it's 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 widely believed that these things were done um, in order to. Um, and break and give information about um what you leaks and going
7: assange mm-hmm. definitely and and also to you know intimidate other people from not doing the same and and before we talk oh, about absolutely. before we talk about the protests, which will be later I, I definitely want to get through some kind of uh uh rudimentary things about this situation so uh, first of all i mean i i it is a part of military code to re- to report on war crimes and it, it also goes into a soldier's duty to to uphold the constitution from enemies foreign and domestic and, and that their oath is to the constitution the people and their rights not a politician not a political party nor the dirt they leave across the world or the skeletons they accrue in their closets is there any crime here for what he's alleged to be done or have they you know they've just made an example out of, of someone they really want to just shut up
2: yeah i mean um... i mean the, the chat logs um, pretty um... say it all and it's unfortunate because um, Manning really believed that, that they were um, talking to somebody who um, was confidential. I mean, um, Adrian Lama makes it clear that in the logs that um, and not only as a journalist, but also some kind of spiritual counselor, that um, there was complete um, confidentiality. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's clear in the conversation that it was never supposed to be released that Manning w- was releasing these crimes because they were, they were just that crimes. It talks about how how they had gone to their superiors um, before um, with with issues of wrongdoing and completely been turned away. So um, Manning felt that they had no other um, option but to leak to um, um, organizational WikiLeaks, and yeah, I mean, everything points to that. From you know, no acknowledgement. I mean, to this day, you know, if, if the military had said, you know, yeah, you're in trouble. But we're going to look into these allegations and, and these crimes. But this person is being persecuted. But yet none of these crimes were revealed, are being um, are being acted upon. So it's obviously um, a an attempt by a government to silence whistleblowers and basically legalize um, totalitarian wrongdoing across the planet.
7: Mm-hmm. Exactly. And uh, Bradley Manning is an LGBTQ soldier. Um what is his importance to the community, and what was his role, if any, in the repeal of, of Don't Ask, Don't Tell, and uh, and improving um, the way um, LGBTQ people are treated in the military?
2: The, the chat log, well, I mean, there's, I mean it, it, it's, really, it's really all, all speculative at this point. We have, um, we have uh, um, his friends have... Um, we, um, we know that his friends have reported that he had had relationships with, with a boyfriend in the past, um, a lot of the chat logs um, point to a um, man, very, very um, probably, um, being transgender, and and, and looking towards um, gender reassignment um, after they were to leave um, the military. Um, I try not to. I try not to even use the um, first name Bradley because um, one of the quotes um, that they use in the chat logs is where they say, um, "I don't really even." Something like, "I don't really, really even mind." Um, being um, put in jail for the rest of my life. Um, what's worse is being flashed across newspapers um, across the world as a boy. Um, so, unfortunately, our community, um, as a, I mean, as a, you know, as the rest of you know, society, um, uh, kind of don't really know about Manning. Mm-hmm. Um, um, obviously, they support the appeal of Don't Tell. Um, It's alleged by a lot in the propaganda machine that um, that was the reason why he retaliated against the military was big was because of this. But everything in the catalog is pointing to they had major issues with the crimes happening, and Don't Ask, Don't Tell was just you know a side injustice locked in with every other
7: injustice that they were exposing. Definitely, and and uh, Martin Luther King once said, "An injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere." What what are the implications for journalists when the government can pretty much snap snatch up anyone they deem as you know a pesky nuisance?
2: Well, I mean that, that, that's that's what that's why I think kind uh, of underreported here is the fact that I mean WikiLeaks is just another journalist um, journalists organization. I mean they leak these things and worked closely with. Um, the New York Times, Der um, Spiegel, and the um, L- L- London Guardian. And um, so, it, it, I, it, I mean, it, I'm, it's, it baffles me why these three organizations aren't under the same scrutiny right now The WikiLeaks is. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, the New York Times, um, for the most part, is a mouthpiece um, for, for the U.S. establishment. Um, but, uh, I mean, ultimately, WikiLeaks, WikiLeaks has nothing different then, you know, when it comes to looking for classified sources and, and, and journalism if any other organization does, mm-hmm. they just happen to have a, uh, a model that um, is really effective, you know, when you know when being transparent, um, when you know, um, working on transparent things.
7: Definitely. And uh, when it comes to um, how, how the U.S. government operates when it comes to treating journalists, some people would point out that, oh, the U.S. hasn't killed any journalists, but they're really referring to U- U.S. journalists because they're, they're not really, uh, by admitting that, they're, not, they're just basically saying that people in other countries are basically not people because, as you said, Bradley Manning released a seri- series of uh, classified videos uh, known as Collateral Murder, uh, which has you know, uh, footage of military helicopters in Iraq. Um, um, it shows them clearly uh, murdering journalists, uh, mistaking cameras for guns, uh, not knowing who these people were until after uh, after they were killed and, and personally I don't think that oceans or, or borders should divide us so the death of a journalist somewhere ought to pull at our heartstrings equally instead of you know this blind nationalism that is, is so clearly blinding us uh, why was the release of the collateral murder videos so important I mean well
2: I, mean, I think I think you just said it. I mean honestly like I said before I mean we're seeing we're seeing obvious three violations of, 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 the, of the Conventions one being um, they opened fire on, on people who who were obviously not targeting them um, uh, two um, if, you, if you watch after the initial attack, a van um, pulls up of uh, people trying to um, aid the, um, the, victim, or the, or the the victims um, then the, the helicopter opens fire on that van. Um, which is also a violation of the disease. And, that, and that's sort of like
7: that's sort of like the equivalent of our double tap drone strikes, where we also send missiles to kill the first responders.
2: Right. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <Yeah. laughs> um, and and then thirdly, um, um, which it's it's it just it's unbelievable to watch. I mean, you see a tank that you know that's nearby, um, come and um, uh, run over um, one of the one of the bodies. You know, people on the ground say that person was still alive. Um, but, um, you know, they even been not still alive. It's a violation of straight bodies, um, under the Geneva Convention as well. So, I mean, it's obviously three two violations and yeah, I urge everybody to go to com
7: and watch the video. Definitely. And, uh, yeah, Bradley was, he really hasn't even been convicted or proven for these crimes. Uh, it's alleged, uh, till this point he has really yet to, to receive a full trial. They've had a few where uh, they might consider dropping the charges because of his treatment. But Bradley was originally detained um, in Kuwait. Um, and we, obvi- we obviously know our, our government lied about torture and overseas rendition in order con- to conduct torture in uh, international or uh, in other countries overseas. Uh, he, right. he, he was most definitely enduring some forms of torture in Quantico prison, Virginia, but what, was he tortured even more severely in Kuwait, uh, since they can do many more worse things uh, outside of U.S. borders?
2: Um, from, from what I understand, I mean, from what what, what Manning has testified um, recently, was it was about the same. It was about um, um, the same kind of sensory uh, uh, deprivation. I know that um, what what they used in Kuwait was they, they um, tried to um, screw up the um, the internal clock. I know mean, they woke them up in the middle of the night and then kept them awake until um, um, the next day. So um, uh, it's just weird to keep them. Of course, this is all under what's called, you know, the Ranafeld technique or whatever, where you have to sit um, with your, you know, with your um, feet on the ground and sitting up without leaning against anything. Um, but, um, yeah, I think it was mostly um, the same kind of stuff that's happening in Quantico.
7: Definitely, uh, and, and that's that's all horrible. Um, uh, wh- what about Julian Assange's treatment? Uh, the government tried to to ha- uh, uh, at least in their rhetoric they were they were talking a big talk about having him assassinated, which is scary enough as it is. Um, and of course, he's now ex- exiled in an Ecuadorian embassy. Um, what are the implications for his treatment as merely a messenger of, of a journalistic agency and? And who is the government to deem any journalistic agency as not really journalism in the case of Sunshine Press?
2: I, uh, as, far, I mean, as far as, as, far as uh, Assange's WikiLeaks, I mean, I think it's obviously, you know, I guess the Stratford emails um, released by Jeremy Hammond show that there is a close indictment against WikiLeaks. I think that they have every intention of trying to get Assange um, back here. And I mean,
7: obviously,
2: the government has, you know, mm-hmm. um, like before. I mean, there's, you know, they are you know, something that all journalists do.
7: Um, that, that brings me around to the National Defense Authorization Act. Um, Chris Hedges uh, v. Obama is challenging the law on the grounds that it does, in fact, threaten journalists uh, who interview members of supposed terrorist groups and, and, and even beyond. Uh, this can affect. Wikileaks uh, or, or journalists that support Wikileaks, since the, you know, the government has been using this new ubiqui- ubiquitous term uh, of domestic terrorism, which can include Wikileaks, uh, Wikileaks supporters, Occupy, uh, Libertarians, Greens, basically anyone who peacefully stands out against the status quo. Um, talk about the effect the NDAA has or will have on, on peaceful protests and journalism.
2: Yeah, I, I, think, I think these are all, I mean, everything we're talking about here is, is, is all a, a concentrated effort by the Obama administration. And this is a Democratic administration, by the way, sorry, how, you know, your progressive listeners out there mm-hmm. um, to silence people. I mean, when, when they are the judge, jury, and executioner, you know, when they decide what is right or what is wrong, I mean, Obama's already said that Manning broke the law. The court of public opinion. You know, Manning is already guilty. Um, um, to Obama, um, mm-hmm. NDAA is just another thing where they can say, you know, I mean, um,
7: guilty until proven innocent.
2: What Manning released, um, um, Robert Gates, defense secretary, said had had no effect on 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 risking anybody. I mean, it, I mean, it didn't hurt anybody. It didn't aid Al Qaeda. But if the government says that it did, um, then it did. So I mean it's it's
7: it's it's, it's insanity
2: in my
7: opinion, and just authoritarian government. Um, uh, Definitely, and and what do you uh, uh, what do you make of the FBI's uh, surveillance and uh, with the cables being released on how how they what they were trying to do to occupy and that was even before this law passed. So, um, w- what do you think about what they were doing beforehand, and what do you think? Uh, could have happened and if they had this law on their side at the time they were doing it.
2: Well, um, I think, um, I think it would be far more dangerous for Occupy, honestly. I mean, Occupy was, um, uh, one of the, um, uh, more recent modern movements that had, had real traction and, and, you know, that's when they crack down is when anything, you know, becomes a threat. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that the police were able to, um, and, I, I mean, I think we saw it here in San Diego. I mean, a lot of people who are just um, starting to become active and then start to take the streets were a little scared about their relationship with the police, with a lot of police support from people. Um, but I think at the end, people's to realize that, you know, the police, you know, aren't there to, for instance, are the citizens. They're there to enforce the rule of, you know, the ruling class and, you know... Um, um, Corporate law. Was, you know, right, exactly. Um, and, then, I mean, if you look at, you know who the police protect. Um, mm-hmm. it's basically, you know, the corporate corporations. Um if you listen to the stuff he said recently, um yeah, I mean the police are in lockstep with um interests and the corporations. And Occupy thinks that, you know, the NBAA is um might might have been put forward because um Occupy. Um, as well as um, the recent, um, basically, old whistleblowers within the Obama administration.
7: Mm-hmm. Um, so, so in addition to American citizens being able to be detained inde- indefinitely, um, we can also be targeted targeted for actual assassination uh, with the advent of drones, and and in the case of. Um, Anwar al awlaki and his 16-year-old son Abdul Rahman, um, both getting murdered. Um, uh, does this does this also have an implication for journalists? I know Chris Hedges mentioned in an interview that, in addition for for the you know possibility of being indefinitely detained for um, his interview with a member of Hamas, he said he could have pretty much also have been incinerated in the car that he was interviewing that member in. Uh, what's your take on that?
2: Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think he's absolutely absolutely right. I mean, I think I think the definition of a journalist um, is um, is being is being played with by um, the Obama administration. I mean, I think I think they're journalists. They agree, you know, with the party line and with um, with lot, you know, military, um, U.S. foreign policy. Um, it's actually prior to get um, a really um, well-rounded story what's going then that's the last thing. The criminal the we have run our country right now. Um, so um, I think it's really um, um that's, uh, for that's working for you personally.
7: Definitely and and I, I I personally I almost puked when I saw Congress give a standing ovation to Obama's claim to an end of a decade of war while at the same time Wearing green ribbons to symbolize the dead children of the Sandy Hook massacre, and not to take away from that tragedy, but what is the kind of the sick irony there when our government is fully responsible for the deaths of many Sandy Hook massacres worth of children overseas with our drone strikes?
2: Um, it's, it's just gross a, hypocrisy. A, a I mean, so one of two things happening there, whether um, or, um, they're all centenulous um, with the, the value of human life, or um, the just the extreme racism and xenophobia um, that we see with with nationalism that our you know Congress and you know um, leadership portray in that um, American um, children matter, but children overseas, um, you know there's collateral damage, no big no big deal.
7: Exactly. Um,
2: so so I think it was wonderful you know across across the room. Um, it could have been either the thing, but yeah, it's absolutely disgusting. I mean, the culture of war and violence that they, you know, perpetuate um, to exploit that for political um, gain—everyone should see through, and it's just unacceptable. Mm -hmm.
7: Mm -hmm. And and uh, Senator Senator Rand Paul seems to only be up in arms over American citizens in regard to drones. I I think it's sad, like you said, it's sad that Americans think that uh, American children are more important than those in muslim countries because you know they're all terrorists uh as they say i mean if one one child got killed in the u.s by you know let's say a chinese drone we would be in in an even bigger war than the war on terror by the next morning uh what is that what do you think that would tell you about the the you know the hypocrisy of of the american exceptionalism also the um Dehumanization of our culture, and not not by violent video games, as the alarmist, you know, evangelical Christians who want to censor art would say, but by the acceptance of killing of our fellow human beings in the name of nationalism.
2: I mean, I think you said uh, nationalism is, you know, to you know, slightly different rhetoric around the world. And you know Bush, you know, the Bush administration, it was all about. Um,
7: you no, know, he said, "You know, bringing terrorists to justice wherever they were found." Now, watch me take this drive.
2: Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and Obama's line is is, 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 you know, it's like religion. You know, it's like it's it's, it's all it's all this I mean, it's all excuse um um to um for geopolitical imperialism uh, mm-hmm. basically. And they don't capitalize on it. Obama is what like I like to say the best used car salesman since we've had since Clinton. And
0: on
2: in mm-hmm. an office, and to be able to sell that. I mean, just people who often help progressives, even you know, just have such a warped. I think that you see it everywhere in, in, in where um, militarism, you know, um, is is involved. You see it in the drug war. When you see far more people killed in the drug war than you see if killed by, you know, drugs themselves, mm-hmm. um, I, think you, I think you see it. I saw it direct after 9-11, we killed far more people, um, you know, with the war on terror than we were actually killed um, in the September 11 attacks. Um, yeah, I mean, everything, everything in our, in our culture points t- towards, like, um, um, the dehumanization of other people um, outside of our borders. And, um, uh, you look at, um, you look at the, American, um, policy in this country and, and just the way it, um, speaks about people, you know, needing, <laughs> needing to work hard to, you know, to, um, to be able to, to cross the imaginary line that the ruling class has So, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's an elitism, it's right, an American exceptionalism that, that, you know, um, I think so. about and, and, and it just telling totally narrows you know narrows the mind of anybody who you know really looks up to these so-called leaders mm-hmm.
7: definitely and, and uh talk talk a bit about the national anti-drone days of action april 4th through 7th and, and uh namely I, i'm confused about where the the protest is heading on 5th through 7th uh, i know the 4th is at the usual usual location of the vets for peace Weekly one at the Scripps Highway yeah. and General Atomics way, and, and as well as how people across the country and the world can can join us join us in solidarity if they can't come to San Diego.
2: Well, um, absolutely. We um, we initially um, joined a call from Benjamin Code Pink when she was here in town um, on her book tour, um, um, an awesome book about drones. Um, and she just returned from Pakistan. Um, I'm, I'm joining some who were there surrounding drones and. Um, so we formed basically a host committee um, that would facilitate housing, um, transportation, um, different things for other organizations from the town um, to come and basically um, kind of do their own thing. Uh, we, we, uh, there, was, there was four days to have their um, usual Thursday drone event at um, um in, um, I believe it's Palais or
7: Scripps Poway um, Parkway and yeah. General Atomics Way. Basically, for anybody listening, yeah. uh, it's he- head on the I 15, whichever way, north or south, uh, exit Scripps Poway Parkway, go east uh, until you see it.
2: Yes. And then the possibility of. Um uh, um, doing some overpass light brigade. If you're familiar with that, it's, it's basically um, you know, the most um, um, tactical and strategic um, um, weapon that we as activists have these days. The so basically you can hold over overpasses overpasses whatever message you want um, to show, and you know they're you know seen for, for long distance. Um, now on Friday, um, there's the option of doing. Uh, a morning um, action at uh, General Atomic's corporate headquarters in La Jolla, and then a possibly 5 o'clock um, action at North Grumman, which is another big drone um, manufacturer here in San Diego. A lot of visibility from um, the corporate headquarters um, on the street. Um, now, Saturday, we'd like to have a big action downtown where people, people can come in from out of town on the trolley. We can meet them and have a big action downtown. And then um, program saturday night with media and whatever um people you know names you know um people who want to come in and speak um can listen to and then sunday hopefully a uh, wrap up kind of like where do we go from here um and maybe some working groups um in the morning
7: cool Good afternoon. awesome I want to go on to a few other topics, so let's talk about medical cannabis obviously our, our, we still have problems with not only our own state government and municipalities not respecting laws that they are supposed to follow as you know elected representatives of people that you know are supposed to uphold the law that uh we the the voters put into place nineteen ninety six um but federal- federal government's still telling the same line um, you, you know they're even saying that they're going to go after. Um, Colorado and Washington, uh, when the first farms start to pop up, well, what's your what's your take on this on, on the current status quo?
2: Uh, and I think and I think it's like you know like what you, what you just said. It's the status quo. I mean, um, uh, and I, unfortunately, um, our our cannabis um, campaign is not as um, as active on. Um, but I, well, I understand, I mean, yeah, we had two huge victories in the past election, but. Um, but, you know, the, um, the establishments, I mean, going to fight them every step away. Um, uh, cannabis is something that's really near and dear to cannabis cause because um, 63% of um, HIV and AIDS patients um, use medical cannabis, and we really think that it's, it's ridiculous that, um, um, you know, the kind of medicine, you know, natural medicine that it is, has is, um, been by for, um, for so long. Um we're actually at cannabis for college. Um, our next, our next campaign is going to be, a, a possibly a, a viral video campaign where, um, we link, um, the stigma between, um, around HIV and AIDS with the stigma around um, medical cannabis.
7: Awesome. And it is definitely all stigma, nothing to back up that stigma. Um, you know, right. a lot of people say that if it were discovered yesterday, it would be like this new miracle plant. And then, Right. You know, there, there, every single farm would be converted into a hemp farm, but with, uh, yeah. with you know, hundred a hundred years of propaganda, you can't really do that today.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's I mean, it's it's, a, it's like a world on journalism, and I mean, you think you're living in the you know and you know, and just uh, alternate universe, you know, you wouldn't believe if mm-hmm. <laughs> you didn't take it on ice. Mm-hmm.
7: And, and uh, onto the subject of, of internet freedom. Um, we know that, you know, with great Internet activist, Aaron Swartz, passing away um, due yeah. to his prosecution. Um, recently, uh, Obama signed basically the CISPA law, which uh, Aaron said himself, Patriot Act for the Internet, uh, signed it into exec order, should be uh, coming into play very soon. Where if, we're, if, we're, if, we're, if we download copyrighted information, uh, then we could basically have our Internet slowed down or, or it's like Big Brother for the Internet. Um, mm-hmm. and then also, you know, um, I know Canvas speaks out against the Trans-Pacific Partnership, which is, you mm-hmm. know, kind of like, um, uh, selling out American sovereignty to corporatism and included in that is some internet regulations as well. What, what's your take on, on both of those issues? Uh,
2: well, I mean, as far as those, I, I mean, I think that, uh, like I was saying before about effective movements and like effective tactics, I mean, you know, um, uh, that's when they cracked down, that's when they were actually a threat to, you know, um, that's why Dr. King was targeted, that's why, you know, all of our effective leaders have been targeted. Um, and, you know, I think that the internet has been one of the most effective tools for communication, and obviously when, when people talk about each other and learn about ideas, those ideas um, were a danger to the status quo. Um, and That's exactly why we're seeing, you know, CISPA, and you know, so Bob was able to get away with certain things that, you know, George Bush would never able to would, would, would with, just because the left kind of just well, what you know, I don't really seriously mean the left. I mean, like you know, uh, liberals kind of uh, just stand down whenever you um, see Democrats on this bull. But um, as far as the TPP, I mean, it doesn't have to on steroids. Mm-hmm. I mean, other. Democratic institution um, passed NAFTA, which, you know, um, bankrupted Mexican farms, you know, um, the floodgates to corporatism. And uh, it's, it's, it's funny that the, the free trade was all about the corporations and not about the people, you know, whatsoever. Yeah, exactly. And that's what was the TPP. It's, it's just um, uh, a giant um, corporate slavery scheme that, you know, to work in class.
7: Mm-hmm. Definitely, and free trade supposed to happen in the absence of such corporatist, you know, schemes to, you know, uh, to protect themselves really and grow their their own market share.
2: I, I mean, I, I, I honestly, I, 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 unfortunately, you know, I don't have a lot of hope. You know, the are going to be able to up to it. I mean, TPP. I honestly, I don't think. I mean, I don't watch a whole lot of corporate news, but um, I don't know that it's making any kind of you know, um, decent headlines. Nope. Um, to even to you let it um, you know, have any kind of conversation about about what it is. I mean I, I bet, you know, most of the people probably know know less about the TPPs than they do about um President
7: manning. Yep, definitely. And and you know, that brings me to, to my next point is how the media uh kind of just um uses their gatekeeper role um to deliberate advantages uh for their own agenda. Uh, I really Enjoyed that uh, uh, canvas, uh, in, 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 or recommended uh, Jill Stein for president. I know you you pointed out, you know, uh, liberals or in name only that that toe the line of Obama because he's a Democrat. But you know, I think that yeah. I think that the Democrats and is all theater. They're both funded by the same elites. You know, if they're talking about the little guy at the podium, you could look behind the podium. I, I always say this, and you could see, uh, you know, Wall Street's hands so far up their ass that their hands moving the mouth of the politician. Um, what's your, what's your take on the two-party system?
2: Well, I mean, I, I think that, I think that it's funny that we even call it a two-party system, honestly. I mean, when, when, you know, when, when, it's the same interests, you know, maybe a different brand interest behind each one, but uh, mm-hmm. when it's the same interests who, who have, have nothing, um, uh, you know, nothing different, don't care at all about the, you know, the, the, um, of, of, of the U.S., um, just control it. I think that, um, it's more like a two-headed snake um, than anything else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, it's the media really is this great. I of only giving um, us voices to listen to, and I mean it just you know you know on the American people, but really they're only given certain options to certain people in for You know, in the corporate media, and they're all you know better blue. And people think you know you gotta you gotta. Um, Take a team. Um, I I would say that I mean I post stuff you know you know on email on Facebook uh, you know out there and people I I guarantee they become a Republican because I'm anti Obama, but just because I mean certain people worked at home and really uh, you know they all they you know have the energy to do is sit down on a, a corporate media station and listen to you know one side and the same side. Mm-hmm. So I think that's it's just. You know, it's it's kind of an you know, it's really really unfortunate.
7: Mm-hmm. I, I heard, I think it was George Galloway who said it's two sides of the same backside, or no, che- two cheeks of the same backside. <laughs>
2: <laughs> God love George Galloway. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean absolutely, and I think that. You know, I, you know, around election time, you know, I go back and forth with, um, uh, with you know, progressives over, you know, less for true evil arguments. But I'm just like, you know, you look at this, I'm getting away with. And it's just, it's maddening, you know. Yeah.
7: Mm-hmm. And especially with, you know, Hillary looking as the front runner, you know, she's the one who's really responsible for the situation of private manning um for you know our, interve- our intervention in syria and and libya you know um it's even found you know a, a former navy seal former green beret have uh, written that actually people were on the grounds covert cia uh operatives were on the ground in libya and that's what caused you know the blowback of benghazi uh we were helping to literally create the uh rebellion in syria which has some members of al-qaeda to somehow fight al-qaeda doesn't make a lot right. of sense to me <laughs>
2: Right, 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 and, uh, and it, like it, that's it's so. I mean, it's it's so hard when you have you know um, so few you know journalists able to able to go over there and really give you um, those kind of you know details when you know the government says it shouldn't be there. You know, it's, like, it's a really dangerous place, and the ones who do have access are totally you know feeding you garbage. Mm-hmm. So. Um, but no I mean I mean Hillary's uh, his, uh um press secretary um had to resign um, for picking the truth. I mean I don't know if you could but you know when he called Mannings into detention like ridiculous or um like three different terms meaning, you know, stupid, um he was forced to resign um, you know, after basically <laughs> common sense uh, um answers uh, to a question. So um Hillary Clinton uh, Hillary Clinton and political twins
7: and, you know for those just joining, I'm speaking with Gabe uh, Conway from Canvas for a Cause, a uh, pro LGBT rights groups uh, or group from from Hillcrest in San Diego, California. Anything else uh, you want to touch up upon that we haven't talked about yet? And um, let's let's talk about what happened at the Thousand Days uh, Without Due Process uh, vigil and rally for private manning. Uh, um, uh, as a last word.
2: Oh, okay. Um, well, um, I was really, um, pleased to so, Diego. You know, um, we try to get as many, you know, folks, uh, I've been here for about half a dozen years and, and, um, you know, it's, it's, it's not necessarily, not as radical as they you know a lot of places in California, but, um, I was really, I was really pleased um why I I, we organized, um, uh, demanding, um, um, demo maybe, uh, God, two and a half, maybe years ago, right after, um, mean uh, uh they were just arrested and, and um we had about thirty uh, people there, thirty five people there then, seventy five to eighty there um on Saturday. Um really great turnout, really um enthusiastic people. We had some amazing speeches. Um they get up on the um website here soon uh took the street. We did have people, you know, enthusiastically um wanting to pick the street. Um so yeah, it was really
7: mm mm-hmm. and, and i do I, I i have some footage of when and when we uh took to the streets uh that's when you know um good old law enforcement came to to um you know protect us from ourselves or, or or something or uh i I've, yeah. uh, i uh you know i've been i've been to many uh demonstrations before and uh generally it's it's more about you know you know shh, you
8: know <laughs> no more <Yeah. laughs>
2: Right, right, right. Yeah, I mean, I it showed up early on, and, um, and I decided was we to March the month, and when we, when we did, they weren't really happy about it, and it was like, I was kind of, I mean, usually when we take the streets, the, the, the police will, like, um, uh, drive uh, in front and behind us, um, so that, you know, traffic doesn't, um, uh, um, yeah, I mean, just, exactly. to, you know. Um, uh, keep keep the cars in the um, car, um, and, um, and the police in Hillcrest were actually um, using their cars to drive us back on the sidewalk. Yeah. So, I, so it's was very dangerous and and um, and I mean I'm not surprised. i mean, can't say I'm surprised. Unfortunately, um, but I was just like, wow,
7: you
2: know, yeah, I yeah. got some right on video.
7: Yeah, I, I I was filming and uh, i' I'm, I'm, I'm working on a video right now and and like they got a little too close to some people there and yeah you know, like you said like it the not not only should have they been you know in front of the back and, and back of us to ex- escort us but you know they their fellow you know service members they should be standing in solidarity with us in private manner right. don't you think
2: yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I I'm, was um to try and grab my friend Lynn Gonzalez, um, an anti-war activist, um, sign and pull it into the, into the car, and I was just like, I was just blown away by by the just the, the behavior of this of this one you know officer. I was just like, you know, one sign isn't thing. You may you know you may prove that you're bigger than this than this other person, but um, and stronger. But uh, I was yeah, being surprised, but I was just you know. My
7: head. Definitely. Uh, any any final thoughts and where can uh, people find Canvas for a Cause online?
2: Um, we are um, canvasforacause.org. Um, that's Canvas with two S's, um, canvasforacause.org. Um, the um, local Manning website is freemanningsd.com. That's freemanningsd.com. Um, if you're not familiar with the uh, national website, um, manning.org. Basically, everything you need to know for um, the Manning um, you know, case um, from start to finish, but a local one is um, freemanningst.com. And finally, um, uh, s- sdcpj.org is where you can log on to about the drone events happening in April. That's sdcpj.org. D- uh, s- it stands for the San Diego Coalition for Peace and Justice.
7: Awesome. And uh, once again, I've been speaking with Gabe uh, from Canvas for a Cause, um, great uh, local LGBT rights group uh, in Hillcrest, California, uh, right here in San Diego. Uh, Gabe, th- thanks again for joining the program and uh, sharing uh, us you know, information on, on private manning and drones and everything else. Anytime, Alex. Thank you. Uh, that was Gabe from Canvas for a Cause, Please be sure to attend the Drone Diego protest April 4th through 7th this Thursday, starting at 3 p.m. at the General Atomics facility. Just go on the I-15, Scripps Poway Parkway exit, head east the General Atomics Way. Make sure you are nonviolent and have plenty of signage to express yourself and why you think that we shouldn't be killing innocent people overseas and spying on ourselves at home in a 1984-like society. But it is. 7.50, that means it is time for the KKSM News. A Harvard study shows that Iraq and Afghanistan wars are going to cost between 4 and 6 trillion dollars, and obviously those wars haven't ended. Most of these costs have yet to be paid and certainly were facilitated by easy money from the Federal Reserve. Banks have historically funded both sides of every war or fund new despots to create new wars. Uh, due to the impartial profits for arm dealers, either through the scheme of money laundering or through the U.S.'s new fangled scheme called foreign aid. Gitmo hunger strikers are being denied water and heat as Guantanamo is expanded, not closed. Prisoners who have not been charged or tried and are being tortured and denied due, to due process are further being tormented for, for their hunger strike protests against this inhumane prison camp. The Navy is considering robot jellyfish for surveillance. As if these guys don't, can't find anything to cut. They're willing to cut veterans' pay and benefits, but they won't cut the empire, and they won't cut you know, funding Terminators, essentially. So I'm looking forward to Jellyfish Schwarzenegger coming from the future to warn us about Terminator jellyfish killing surfers. Unfortunately, that's not funny. This is real. Uh, it's produced by Virginia Tech's College of Engineering. There needs to be morality in science, I think. Scientists... ...need to produce things that improve life, not kill us, or create scary weapons of war and surveillance. Lieutenant Dan Choi was convicted in a federal protest trial. Dan Choi, a soldier ousted from the Army because of his homosexuality, had protested the White House by locking himself to a fence. And this is when the Obama administration was dragging their feet on Don't Ask, Don't Tell, giving lip service. Choi declared... At Gary Johnson, Ron Paul, and Jill Stein were all better alternatives to, his, to uh, Troy's intense skepticism of President Obama and certainly also of Mitt Romney. Uh, and uh, Troy and several protesters from Get Equal were found guilty and forced to pay a $100 fine. I contend that that's not a crime uh, and bad sent- it was a bad sentencing and bad judgment in that case. Please Google jury nullification maybe the next time uh... the jury of their peers will uh, change uh... their their um... verdicts in international news palestinian authority has been committing torture using british tax funds the so-called palestinian authority actually acts against the interests of the palestinians and kowtows to british policy the pa attempts to squash hamas members And engages in tortures known as shabe on people merely suspected of associating with hamas they don't have to have any proof there's no due process no nothing this again shows the extent of how governments stick their hands into both sides of every war even to the extent of corrupting palestinian forces to turn them against their own people for the sake of funding such security forces in our other international news, tensions are growing in North Korea. We have never ended the war in Korea. There was just a ceasefire. Our interventionist foreign policy has kept us there since then, and isn't this just 50-plus years of blowback coming to fruition? Why don't we learn our lesson before it is too late? North Korea says it has entered a state of war with South Korea and has warned any provocation by Seoul and Washington will escalate into a nuclear war. Wake up people, end the wars, and bring our troops home from everywhere now. It is not a sign of weakness but a sign of brains. We are making ourselves more vulnerable by provoking countries like North Korea. They have their missiles ready. Maybe it's about time we stopped calling non-interventionists like myself or Ron Paul or, or Gary Johnson or Lou Rockwell, Kucinich, Jill Stein, uh, up and down, and many others crazy and 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 actually start taking our advice, like, you know, right now. In uh, San Marcos, the weather is now 60 degrees, and as far as the traffic goes, there is a slowdown on the 78 westbound. It's 50 miles per hour slowdown, and uh, that is it for your KKSM News Broadcasting live, KKSM the Radio Revolution, and podcasting on LRN.fm, the Liberty Radio Network. So this next song, I think, is very, very analogous. It's called Opiate of the Masses. And of course, you know opiate, opium, you know, you like being asleep, being doped out, and not paying attention. Sounds a little familiar. This is from the band Heathen, and it's from their album Victims of Deception. And we are Victims of Deception. And uh, this is from 1991, but they have since reunited. So this is Opiate of the Masses by Heathen. Here on KKSM, The Radio Revolution, and LRN.FM, The Liberty Radio Network. WonderCon 2013 is up next with Reggie Bannister, star of Phantasm.
6: To KKSN,
8: 1320 AM, Oceanside. What does freedom mean? Tune in to LRN.FM to find out. LRN.FM is the Liberty Radio Network, a collection of live talk radio and podcasts, all coming from a principled pro liberty perspective. LRN.FM show hosts aren't left, right, or conspiracy kooks. You can tune in 24 seven 7 to LRN.FM via your phone, computer, satellite, and more. Listen free anytime at lrn.fm that's lrn.fm
7: kksm oceanside
8: i'm sure that it's going to be a hit single
7: am 1320
8: the radio revolution
7: welcome back to freethought radio mondays every uh from 6 p.m to 9 p.m pacific standard time and podcasting on lrn.fm or simply subscribe on iTunes uh look for free thought and and uh free thought AAC is the correct one. And I actually went to WonderCon, uh the uh, sort of sister convention to Comic-Con. I went only for one day yesterday. Um I helped volunteer for the Trauma booth, but I also got to, uh, I was dressed up as the Toxic Avenger, but I also got to go around and and see all the cool stuff there. A lot of cool costumes. I have a few videos that I'll be releasing on the on the YouTube channel, Freethought TV. That's youtube.com slash freethoughtradiovids, V-I-D-S. I already have one. my interview with the uh, curator of the Trauma Booth, which is coming up later in the show. But first, I uh, interviewed Reggie Bannister, the star of the Phantasm movie saga. And one, uh, one of my favorite movies is the, is the first Phantasm movie and all the other ones, too. Those are all really good, uh, really interesting plot and stories. And Reggie's a really nice guy, and he was actually right next to the Soup Nazi's booth. But with the case of Soup Nazi and uh, Lou Ferrigno, like, you don't even know if you have to pay to look at them in, in those cases. But Reggie is obviously super open and nice and we had a really great conversation so he is my guest for right now well,
1: welcome everybody i'm broadcasting live from watercon 2013 in anaheim california joining me now is Reg- reggie banister he is the star of phantasm and all four phantasms and he was also in many other movies, and he has he's a musician and uh, movie producer. It's to hear you speak. Thanks, Alex. I appreciate that. So tell us a bit about how you got into acting and uh, how you got into Harvard really specifically. Well, you know, I, I kind
5: of didn't have any choice. I always see, if you, if you talk to me when I was three years old, ask me what I wanted to be, I say, well, I want to be a, a singer, I want to be an actor, and I want to be a politician. And well, you know, as I get older, I, I drop the political thing. I'm still interested, but uh, you know, uh, I'm no Ashley Judge. So uh, anyway, she's much cuter than me. But um, so so anyway, no, I just I always did it. Uh, you know, from the time I did, and so school programs were always great. They were always well funded. Please, all you politicians, listen to me now and start funding these programs for the arts, uh, because I. Was, uh, yeah, I did my first uh, little play when I was in grammar school, and then, uh, oh, as a matter of fact, before that I was on a, uh, a little TV show called the Walking Charlie Aldrich TV show, and he was kind of like Sheriff John. Yeah, nobody oh. You probably remember that. Yeah, he, he made you drink your milk uh, <laughs> when you... Yeah. Uh, but anyway, and, and I... I, I saying if, if, if i'd have known you were coming out of baked a cake on his show and uh, that was when i was about four and uh, So anyway, it just it started, Alex, and it just never stopped, and I never even really thought about it, it was just something I had to do, but by the time I was 15, I was in a group called the Young Americans, and uh, we did a Bing Crosby special, and uh, yeah, and then after that I started some of my own groups, it was uh, the folk period, you know, the coffee houses yeah. and playing the coffee houses, and then I got into a group called the Greenwood County Singers. And we did a bunch more television concerts, uh, performed all over the place, toured. Um, you know, Red Skelton show, worked with George Burns, all these awesome stars you know and um, um you know Sonny and Cher awesome oh yeah we were on the, the hullabaloo uh Rolling Stones we were on that show Stevie Wonder uh worked with him on television so it's been a uh, yeah it's, it's been a blessing really and then um uh you know kept going along doing that uh, got drafted into the army oh geez. So, yeah went to Vietnam Uh, Did that, got back out of that, got into another group called Stone Country and did some more TV with them uh, and and touring. Uh, Then I went back to college. I went to Long Beach City College uh, in Long Beach, California. got into theater arts really heavy and uh, somebody called me up one day and said hey we saw that play you were in over the weekend and we, yeah you know, we got a part for you in this movie i said oh well are you going to feed me i mean because that was yeah. important yeah <laughs> <laughs> Again, when, where do I go, what do I have to do? So they came and picked me up and uh, it was John Costarelli's very first movie. Don Costarelli who did fantastic. And uh, so it was, it was my first movie, and it was his first movie that he ever made. Okay, and this wasn't that bad. This was uh, called Jim the World's Greatest. And it was a, a story about a teenager that had to take care of his brother because his father was a drunk. And, and, and his father was Angus Springfield. Yes. And. Uh, the tall man. And uh, and so it was very dramatic, and they were uh, they were going to kill a kid, a little kid in the film. It was part of the script. I mean, they weren't really going to you kill. Know, yeah. But um, they needed some, they needed some a little comedy to lighten the moment before the big tragedy happened. So I, I played a character called O.G. Silingsley, who was a <laughs> I was a hang glider pilot, and I. I, I get the, the teenage boy up in the band glider and we're having fun and, you know. And so anyway, uh, that was the first picture and the next picture I did was with Don as well. The second picture was called Kenny and Company, uh, also you know about kids and stuff and, and then uh, Don just uh, decided uh, there was a scene in Kenny and Company that made people jump in the theater and Don liked that. And so, so he, he just went. Well, I want to do a movie that just scares the hell out of everybody. So he went up into the mountains in Big Bear and wrote Phantasm. He sequestered himself for a while and, and, and uh, came up with this wacky idea,
1: Phantasm. And we shot that, and uh, the rest is history. Okay. And certainly Phantasm has a lot to do with children. That the Michael The journey of journey along that journey is uh, is crazy that obviously kills people in the time. I think So uh, talk, talk about the Phantasm series and um, uh, just chronologically how each one went and what you want to know. Well, you know, uh, it's, it
5: is chronologically interesting yeah. because the way it starts out, you know, it's like nobody even, Michael, is the only one who knows that this evil is happening? Yeah. It's kind of like uh, uh, there was a Ray Bradbury story called "Something Wicked This Way Comes," and only the kids know. Yeah. And uh, they're trying to tell the adults, and adults are, are blowing them off. You know, and that's the original story. You know, and finally Michael convinces Jody, his his older brother, and then they give me. And they convince me, and I go, let's go tip his ass, you know, and so, let's get rid of it, you know, and uh, and then that that really starts the journey, and uh, then of course it, it it transitions into two, Phantasm two, uh, the ball is back, and um, uh, it, it transitions into that, and by then, uh, the Reggie character is so totally down. With with going after the tall man, going after this evil in the world that nobody else recognizes. Um, then you know, he builds the four barrel shotgun. Uh, Michael builds the Mike builds the um, plane floor, which is cool. And we just go after the guy. And every every film after that, three, it, it's it's always it's always just the twists and turns of trying to deal with this evil in the world and we're the only ones out there doing it and, and with the, the alternate universe things going on. You never know exactly where you're at. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know, it's just a cool series. And, and it's something that you just... Once you get involved in the first one, it's just like you, you got to see all the rest of them. Because they're yeah. more... They're, they're less like sequels, less sequential. Yeah. They're more episodic, actually. Because we, we fold you into the fabric and drag you along. Definitely. Yeah. Any chance of uh, part five? well we hope so we'd like to do that you know uh, certainly this story could go on forever maybe it will after we're all croaked I don't know but um, but but, yeah we'd like to do another one we we talk about ideas Don obviously Don and I and uh, Michael and Angus we've all been friends for years we go back to like that first film was 74 I think so we go back like 40 years so yeah, we talk to each other. We jam ideas. You know, we you know take the crew out and jam around in Lancaster on empty roads, sometimes. <laughs> just for the hell of it. You know, because <laughs> it's fun. Yep. Uh, and there's no cops out there, and um, uh, yeah, because you know some cops can be real assholes. <laughs> that, that's a line from the movie. By the way, no no offense to any cops. <laughs> That just happened to be a demon uh, yeah. cop, uh, I think. Yeah. but anyway... Uh, so yeah, we hope so, it's that,
1: you know, it's a lot of fun, we, and yeah, we like doing it. Awesome. Well, uh, let's talk a bit about this movie, uh, Bloody, Bloody 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 Bible Camp, it's a bit of a tongue twister, and it's uh, sort of a tribute to 80s horror movies, and again, analogous to the 80s with the advent of televangelism, you play a preacher, talk a bit about the movie. I, I
5: actually I play a priest, uh, and his name is uh, Father Richard Cummings, uh, and they call him Dick for short. <laughs> Well, you know what I mean. And, and, uh, and, well, uh, actually, yeah, I got a picture of him over there. That's all right. Anyway. <laughs> He's in it's in the '80s, and um, he uh, has found this property that he really loves. Uh, that it, it's a like a Bible camp kind of an area, and, and uh, uh, he wants to buy it for his church, the Church of Saint Judas, and uh, and so he brings these uh, uh, sex-starved and crazed teenagers. I mean, nobody knows anybody like that, right? And um, he, he gets a group of them and he takes him up to the Bible camp, he wants him to have a really good time, Alex, because, like I said, he wants his property so he can take more sex-crazed teenagers there with him. And um, so anyway, what happens is uh, there's a serial killer and uh, it's, uh, her name is Sister Mary Chopper. Uh, Sister Mary Chopper, well, you got the, right there. That's Sister Mary Chopper. And uh, uh, Sister Mary Chopper is played by a, a writer-director named Tim Sullivan. So, transvestite serial killer, none. And... Um, <laughs> And, and oh, she was uh, she was jacked up by uh, this n- other nun that my wife Gigi played, Mother Mary. And uh, if you've ever been to Catholic school or heard what goes on in some Catholic schools, uh, you know you at least get a knuckle wrap uh, yeah. for mouthing off with a ruler or whatever. Oh, yeah. Uh, so anyway, she jacks up this little kid. You know, just messes him up psychologically, and he becomes Sister Mary Chopper, uh, who now is a, okay. So transvestite serial killer nun, and then um, and then, well, the, the killer kind of jacks me up, as you can see. Oh, yeah. uh, I have this encounter with uh, Sister Mary Chopper, yeah. and it looks just as it looks like I'm I'm heading out into the sunset. Jesus comes along. Yes. And Jesus is uh, Mr. Uh, Ron Jeremy. Ron Jeremy, yeah. And uh, and so he comes along and saves the night. So, uh, yeah, that's pretty much the story.
1: It's... Uh and we wish uh, Ron Jeremy a very uh, speedy recovery from his uh, horrible uh, health incident. Um, so you uh, uh, independently produced this movie with your wife, who is a, uh, a makeup artist and special effects artist. Talk a bit about independent filmmaking for our listeners. It's very difficult, and nobody makes any money. <laughs> yep.
5: But it's very rewarding uh, because uh, it's creative. You don't you don't have uh, a bunch of people in suits uh, standing over uh, you not not that i have anything against suits i don't wear them a lot but um uh, yeah they're not you know like telling you what to do you know you got to do it this way you can't say this you can't do that i mean uh, this this film is just a lot of fun for example a bloody, bloody bible camp. And, uh, uh, yeah, I, I, a big studio would probably never have picked it yeah. <laughs> And and uh, it's it's so creative and, and so cool. And and most of the pictures that I, blunt I back pretty much every one I've ever done, I, I uh, there's a picture called uh, The Ghastly Love of Johnny X, and that's coming out in the next, uh, I think, few weeks. Awesome. Man. Yeah. It's a, 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 sci- a sci-fi musical. Awesome. It's very cool. Well, awesome. and, uh, yeah. 喂。this is a, a little comic book of, of Johnny X. Okay, it looks this, awesome. That, that's Johnny X. Will Keenan is Johnny X. And, oh, he was from Terry Kramer. And, uh, yes. I, I recognize him. Yeah. Yes. He's a really great actor. Yes. And and here's, uh, well, there's the front of it. That's uh, that's our hot babe. Uh, she, she, was, she was great. And then, if you look on the inside, you can see, here's a picture of uh, some of the, the stars. Uh, um, Kevin McCarthy from Invasion of the Body Snatchers, 1956. Awesome, Unfortunately, this was Kevin's last film. He passed wow. away right after he shot his scenes. Oh man! Uh, here's the gang, um, the Johnny X gang. Okay, and here I am. I, I play a guy named King Clayton. I'm a promoter with my hot babes. I have hot babes. As all promoters do. As, as they do. And, and here's and here's. Um, Uh, Here's here's Johnny's hot babe, and she's terrific. And here's uh, this is Creed Bratton uh, from The Office. Uh, He's uh, he's on The Office. Uh, Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. He Uh, he looks actually,
1: actually, I can see his face through all that makeup.
5: Yeah. Well, yeah. What happens with Creed in this uh, in this shot? He he plays a, 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 a elderly rock star who I'm I've I've hired him to make a lot of money in my club. I'm gonna put I'm gonna pack the seat the seats with butts yeah because I have uh, I have him and uh, uh, and uh, so anyway he comes in but he's so he's so jacked up on drugs and alcohol that he dies right in my office <laughs> okay but I run into Johnny X who is from another planet and he has this thing called a resurrection suit and so he can actually resurrect the dead things awesome. <laughs> and uh, so we resurrect uh, uh, Creed, and, uh, and he does a concert for us. Awesome. <laughs> but it kind of gets out of control. Uh, also, Paul Williams is in the film. Awesome. <laughs> and I, I think the really neat thing about this film is it was shot in uh, 35 millimeter black and white. That's awesome. On a stock that you, that you can no longer get any, anymore. So and it was uh, it was done by Paul Vanell and um, Paul Bunnell is a terrific director that I've worked with before. But so yeah, look for the ghastly love of Johnny X and a lot of great a
1: lot of great people in it. And independent filmmaking, you certainly get to make a lot uh, more art with substance uh, and, and character. And, you know, you are an artist in many other respects. Talk a bit about your music and, and uh, how you like to express yourself through the your song. Well, you know, like I said, yeah, I, I, I played music, you know,
5: my whole life. And I, I started playing guitar when I was uh, 15, started playing in all these groups, as I said. Uh, and then, on, you know, on my own, I would put groups together. And I I started writing my own music when I was about eighteen or twenty maybe, and uh, and just started started putting things together, and I I, I've done a couple of CDs, this one. is is the latest one that I have. It's called Naked Truth. And uh, I use that, Naked Truth, because everybody should be naked. You know what I'm saying? And who they are. You should be able to see who people are. And this this is a double disc CD. We did it kind of psychedelic. Uh, And one of the discs is, uh, is, of course, there's a CD and then a DVD. So there's two, um, there's, on on the DVD, there's uh, two music videos and some behind-the-scenes stuff from shooting one of the music videos. Awesome. So it's a lot of fun. There's that, Naked Truth. And there's this one, which is uh, a little rockier. And this is called Reggie B. and the Jizz Whalen Yad That's awesome. And, uh, And you can see see the, the art is fantastic. And then uh, just, you know, if, as you get your take on the art on the front of the album, this is the back of the album. So if you see the art yeah. on the back of the album, it's yeah. the back of the front. Yeah. And uh, this is all written by Angus Strim, who did the awesome. liner notes. So very, very mature. Yeah. And then we open it up. Yeah, well, there's there's a good shot of the back of the front. Uh-huh. So there you go. That's Reggie B and the Giswailan and it's it's pretty rocky. Um, pretty much all my tunes.
1: So there you go. Definitely. And um, for those just joining, I'm speaking with. Uh Reggie Bannister, star of Phantasm. Reggie, do you have any final words? And where can people find you online? They can go
5: to reggiebannister.com, awesome. Alex. And, and uh, you know, if you want to email me personally, there's a place where you can email me, and i try and get back to you if I can.
1: Awesome. I've been speaking with Reggie Bannister, star of Phantasm. Reggie, thanks for joining the program. Thank you, Alex.
7: And that was, again, Reggie Bannister, star of the Phantasm movie saga. And I'm going to play one of his songs is from his album, Naked Truth. And I agree with that philosophy. You should always be yourself 100% of the time, no matter in what situation you are. This one is called Crystal Ball Eyes. And again, it's from Reggie Bannister's band. And the album is Naked Truth. Crystal Ball Eyes on KKSM, The Radio Revolution, and LRN.FM, The Liberty Radio Network.
4: no money in my pocket to pay the rent, so I'm out on the street, and then who do I meet to take away my blues,
1: she said look into my eyes." I'm supposed to everybody knows that I covered oh, what right so I I, so what I do long, and
4: love
11: life. Got
4: my reasons to be happy My reason to be high Even when I'm down and out She keeps me satisfied She said look into my eyes Forget all of the lies Coming down on you She said look into my Crystal ball eyes To see her through ah, yeah. She Said look into my All eyes to see it through. Yeah, baby. Yeah, in the light of the full moon midnight, she has things in control. In her eyes I see the mysteries of my soul With a sweet smelling potion And her arms of devotion My love's renewed She said look into my Crystal ball eyes to see it through She said look into my To see you through, Oh yeah, baby, now, but just to see you through.
7: KKSM, cool people listen on AM 1320. Party people listen on Cox Cable 957. And traveling people listen on PalomarCollegeRadio.com or download the Ustream app for their smartphones. KKSM, the
8: radio revolution.
3: Aren't you tired of governments murdering people around the world? Well, stop using their money. There's an alternative. Bitcoin is a stateless, free market, non-political currency. Bitcoin cannot be inflated or controlled by any government. And by using their money, you're helping the state. Stop doing it. You have an incredible alternative available now. Learn it. Use it. Spread it. Get started with Bitcoin at WeUseCoins.com. That's WeUseCoins.com.
8: What does freedom mean? Tune into LRN.FM to find out. LRN.FM is the Liberty Radio Network, a collection of live talk radio and podcasts, all coming from a principled pro-Liberty perspective. LRN.FM show hosts aren't left, right, or conspiracy kooks. You can tune in 24-7 to LRN.FM via your phone, computer, satellite, and more. Listen free anytime at LRN.FM. That's LRN.FM.
7: Welcome back to Free Thought Radio every Monday from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. on KKSM AM 1320 in San Diego the Radio Revolution and podcasting on lrn.fm the Liberty Radio Network it is 8:30 time for the news brief so other national headlines that I did not cover yet uh, the Kentucky hemp bill passes in the final hour the plant can threaten You know, the hemp plant can really threaten the war machine by introducing hemp plastic to compete with petroleum-based plastics. And that plant is further down the road of growing legally in Kentucky. The bill is passed by both the House and the Senate. A Colorado company launches Marijuana Tours. Two Denver entrepreneurs with ties to the medical marijuana industry have started the nation's first marijuana tourism company. For several hundred bucks, prices vary between VIP and economy levels, My 420 Tours will pick visitors up at the airport, connect them to a prot-friendly hotel, set up hash-making demonstrations and dispensary grow tours, and provide them with tickets to cannabis-themed events and concerts. The company's first package is built around April 20th, a date cannabis enthusiasts regard as a holiday known as 420. High costs turn Americans against E-Verify. Never mind that all arguments against free immigration are based on racism, not economics or good morality, in addition to it being like Nazi Germany. Papers, please. Colorado police officers are encrypting their communications so the public can't listen in. So the government can have total privacy, but we can't. Maybe we should ban cops from using things like encryption or or Tor or anything like that. Thankfully, Kim.com is encrypting the internet for the rest of us. The FBI will be defending cell phone tracking in court. The Federal Bureau Bureau, Bureau of Investigation's secretive stingray surveillance technology that allows police to surreptitiously track the locations of cell phones and other mobile devices went on trial in Arizona courtroom last week. End and repeal the Patriot Act. Unemployment claims jump unexpectedly. First time jobless claims rose by sixteen hundred to three hundred and fifty seven thousand. Actually sorry, sixteen thousand to three hundred and fifty-seven thousand in the week ended March twenty-third, the highest level in more than a month. Labor Department data data showed today in Washington. The median forecast of 48 economists surveyed by Bloomberg called for an increase to uh, 340,000. The four-week average climbed from the lowest level in five years. My perspective, really, any gains in our economy are temporary and artificial based on a pumping of worthless fiat money to prop up an economy based on a house of cards of retail consumption. We don't need to be forcing production by government decree, but our government uh, state-dictated corporatocracy limits the ability of peaceful and honest individuals to engage in their own commerce. The prohibition of industrial hemp being a great example of a suppressed economy that can become above ground and revitalize our economy, at least somewhat. Although, you know, I'm one of those people that think hemp can literally save our economy, get us off of oil, at least not not just for fuel, uh, for hemp fuel, but hemp-based plastics instead of petroleum-based plastics. And not to mention that cannabis cures cancer. 2005 eminent domain reform law is not stopping Colorado cities. Local governments are still using eminent domain in Colorado, despite... A 2006 state law meant to limit municipalities' ability to seize pro- property for private development. A Supreme Court uh, hears arguments against the Defense of Marriage Act. So a big battle for equality under law, while the law, while of course the law exists, erupted across the country in concert with a Supreme Court hearing. Of course, it would, it would be much better if government stopped attempting to, attempting to control social behavior and let consenting adults live and love free. But in my view, at least while we have the law, it should be extended equally to all individuals, that being marriage licenses. So repeal DOMA. Although, while we were being distracted by uh, uh, many other things, Obama signs the Monsanto Protection Act into law. The Monsanto Protection Act, odd for its unusually blatant and unobfuscated bill title, went onto Obama's desk and he signed it while the gay marriage debate was in full swing call him president gm obama right now <laughs> our bodies are not science experiments for the sake of main- maintaining monsanto's large ag- agricultural subsidies and a legal framework that perpetuates the ability of a corporation to use the state's ability of a monopoly on force to crush their competitors and efforts to expose gmo foods former presidents still get So, uh, you work half of the year, you pay taxes to pay for George Bush's cushy little lifestyle. President Bill Clinton's 83-square-foot Harlem office near the Apollo Theater costs taxpayers nearly $450,000. George W. Bush spends $85,000 on telephone fees, or maybe sending naked portraits of himself, and another $60,000 on travel. Jimmy Carter sends $15,000 worth of postage, all in the government's dime. Mayor Bloomberg is predicting drones above New York City. So there's no bans on Big Brother instead of Big Sodas. So yeah, he doesn't want to try and stop it. Medical cannabis users who own guns risk federal crime or federal time. Sorry. In 2011, the ATF issued a memo that declared that it is illegal for anyone with a medical cannabis card to possess a gun or ammunition. The message for Californians who use medical marijuana should be pretty clear. The federal government may go after you for using marijuana, and the penalty can be harsh if you possess both legal in California medical marijuana and a lawfully owned gun. Fortunately there is a mechanism for for mercy. Senators Patrick Leahy and Senator Rand Paul are working together on legislation to grant federal judges more judicial discretion under the federal mandatory minimum sentencing system. In international news, an Israeli conscientious objector is in prison for the eighth time. On Tuesday morning 19-year-old conscientious objector Natan Blanc will likely enter a military jail. For the eighth time in about four months, Blanc refused to enlist in the Israeli Defense Forces when he was first called up on November 19th of last year He is making a conscious effort to not have his life and body used to oppress the Palestinian people and live his life in a peaceful and productive manner rather than as a killing machine. The weather outside in San Marcos where this wonderfully broadcasts out of is 60 degrees. The uh, traffic uh, is clear and there are no traffic problems to report on. Broadcasting live. From KKSM for KKSM and LRN.FM. My name is Alex Fiddle, host here of Free Thought Radio. This has been your news. Now, up next, I, as again, from WonderCon 2013, since I volunteered for trauma, I decided why not interview uh, these traumatic, you know, they call their girls tromets. I don't know what they call the guys, tromans? Um, it's been, I I haven't read Make Your Own Damn Movie in a while, but Lloyd Coffin's coming up on the show, uh, April 22nd. Also, Gary Johnson is coming on the show April 15th. So be sure to go to facebook.com slash freethoughtradio for more updates on happenings on the show and freethoughtmedia.org. Be sure to listen to the show every Monday on KKSM, as well as the podcast on LRN.fm.
1: We're live at WonderCon 2013 in Los Angeles here at the drama booth. Everybody knows that I cover what I do love and I love Troma and I want to introduce you guys some of the new stuff that Troma is doing with me now is Marcus, he is the uh, West Coast Convention Coordinator for Troma Movies. We've got Lloyd Kaufman coming up in a few weeks on the show. Uh, So Marcus, why don't you tell us a bit about some new movies we got here like the Toxic Avenger Japanese Cut.
5: Alright,
11: so we have just recently released the Japanese Cut of the Toxic Avenger. It contains some lost scenes that aren't even in the U.S. director's cut. Um, It also contains this awesome uh, the Japanese artwork, which has more nudity by the lead actress of The Toxic Avenger than the actual film. (laughs) Um, It's got uh, the rare Japanese introduction, which I believe Troma has retranslated into English for all of our American uh, audiences' enjoyment. And uh, so this is a really cool one to look out for if you're a fan of The Toxic Avenger. Also, we have
5: The Taint. Uh,
11: This is a movie about... Uh, a water supply becoming tainted and it turns all of the men in the town into crazy misogynistic killers. And it sort of has a moral in that when society breaks down and becomes ultra misogynistic, like nobody loves a sausage party. So you've yeah. got to be nice to the ladies. It's not a good thing. And uh, sort of in a similar vein we have Father's Day which is probably the most dad rape happy movie in history and it contains some of the most impressive penis severings ever captured on any sort of media of a visual nature, in my opinion. That's from the Canadian collective Astron 6, who is bound to go on to bigger and better things far, far away from Tromaville.
1: And we saw them uh, the premiere of Father's Day in the theaters and seeing it on a large silver screen. All those penis severings was just that much more awesome. Um, talk a bit about uh, Mr. Bricks, the heavy metal mur- murder musical. All oh, right, featuring the infamous Tim Dax. So I don't even want to mention it in my own
11: safety. <laughs> yes, the uh, wonderful Tim Dax stars in Mr. Bricks, uh, heavy metal murder musical. It's a film by Travis Campbell, who has been an editor at Trauma for a long time, and he really put his heart and soul into this movie and he wrote all the music and uh, they really worked hard on this and it's uh, Troma's proud to put out these sort of labors of love by these filmmakers who you know work so hard to get these things out for the people so that's we just want people to be able to see art that people made for people to see so that's Mr. Briggs. Uh What else is new with trauma this year? Well, this summer, we plan to release The Return to Nukem High. It's our follow-up to the original Nukem High series, and it's a little bit updated with some uh, lesbianic lead characters, and uh, the Trome Organic uh, Foodstuffs, Inc., as opposed to a nuclear waste plant, is the, you know, the big... Um, controversial figure in this movie, so it's kind of a play on the original themes, and then it expands on them. And that's coming this summer.
1: Awesome. And um, I was how it is WonderCon, bit What's it like meeting um, at conventions, talk, introducing people to truly really independent cinema? And it's fun. I really enjoy it. I
11: like the people. I like meeting interesting people that are like-minded or people who aren't totally aware of trauma. I like to help them discover it because really, it's a vast catalog, and there's something for everybody. We're associated with very. Key gory, cheesy, whatever, but there's truly, we have children's movies, we have movies that your parents would like, we have movies that I like, It's you know, it's there's something in here for everybody. There's so many movies, so much content, but that's really what we're trying to get across, it's art for people to see yeah, Definitely. Do you have any final words on uh, independent cinema and where can find trauma online? Um, well, you can find all the trauma movies and find out where we're going to be convention-wise or screenings or anything on trauma.com, and um, just to sort of sum up, everyone should support Independent art because without independent art, nothing progresses. Things all stay the same. We're gonna see Spider Man 20 next summer. <laughs> that independent art, independent cinema, independent comic books, independent music all of it support it, find it, love it, keep it real
1: for sure. Right on, Marcus.
0: Thanks
8: for joining. The world is black. And tears run from your eyes, and maybe we'll all get really sick, and maybe we'll all
6: die.
8: So, let's build a snowman, we can make them our best friends. Smile, happy point of view. If you build me a snowman, then I'll build one for you. So let's build a snowman. We can make him our best friend. We can name him Bob, or we can name him Beowulf. We can make him tall, or we can make him not so tall. Snowman. Hey!
7: Build a Snowman by Trake Parker from the movie Cannibal the Musical. Picked up by Trauma Entertainment when every other movie company slammed the door in their faces. And that was before South Park. So if it weren't for Trauma, would there be a South Park? Hmm. Troma.com. Lloyd Kaufman is coming up in a few weeks. Uh, next week is Jason Ditz of Antiwar.com as well as whatever I can cover from the Drone Diego protests, as well as any kind of report I have. Going to Sacramento, visit my state assemblyman to talk to him about top two, because, you know, my guest on today's program was Richard Winger of Ballot Access News. I'm also going to talk to him about the NDAA bill coming up before the California State Assembly uh, on Monday. So... Hopefully he votes yes on it, you know, to nullify the National Defense Authorization Act. I will be up there for the California uh, Libertarian Party uh, convention. And it's, uh, I, I again, since it was, a, I voted for this guy through the top two system because I didn't want to vote for the other person and it was two Republicans. It was just a nuts choice. And really, you know, I definitely support the, anarchist view of not voting on purpose you know that it really doesn't really change anything uh, although you know my my perspective is uh, the libertarian place in politics is as abolition is you know it would be nice if somebody would stop these drones so that real Pakistanis don't really die with our these real missiles that are coming f- towards them or that you know cannabis plants can actually grow free rather than currently being suppressed, because all politicians really do, is take corporate bribes and chop down weed plants. And cannabis is medicine. And, you know, it's, it's very sad to still see prohibitionists, you know, these family values people going on TV and spewing anti-science crap about marijuana being harmful. It just boggles my mind. People are curing themselves with cancer. Nine-year-old girls, Michaela Comstock, is using cannabis oil to actually, you know, the cannabinoids go and cause cancer cells to kill themselves. And these self-important family values, busybodies want to go and take that away from little kids. Will they stare them in the eye and say, because I think I'm better, I know what's best for you. I'm going to use the government's ability to use force on you to take that away from you so you may die a horrible suffering death. How do these people sleep at night? I mean, is it really, you know, the, the checks that come in the mail from these family values organizations protect the family? Do you really want to protect the family, why don't you go ahead and legalize medical cannabis? Because maybe your ancestors won't die. And I have had so many bad experiences. With my ancestors dying, a lot of other people, uh, my friend's family, pets, suffering, maybe they won't have their disease cured, but maybe they'll live a little longer past expectancy and won't suffer, because really, what do all these pharmaceutical meds do but poison you? Cannabis is an organic, nutritious plant with a potent medical source, that being THC and CBD. So I I would hope that if we don't, you know, get towards the minarchist or anarchist ideals, that we at least abolish this stuff and, of course, not rely on, on phony politicians who sort of toe the line to do so, um, that we need to actually make some... It's not going to go completely to the other point overnight, but at least make some giant strides so we can have some leeway. In the meantime, like maybe uh, taking back all those billions of rounds of hollow point bullets from the Department of Homeland Security and melting them into scrap metal. And by the way, hollow point bullets are extra lethal. They explode when they hit your flesh. So they're designed to kill people. And They're banned by the Geneva Convention and the the Department of Homeland Security is procuring those. As far as liberty goes, we need to have it in our own minds. Of course, being ourselves 100% of the time, being peaceful, you know, not Uh, intruding upon anybody's business, you know. I watch stupid horror movies. I don't force you to watch stupid horror movies. I've never made you watch the offensive Toxic Avenger movies. You know, you could stick to uh, the Toy Story or whatever. And you can tune out of my radio show when I talk about those kinds of movies. I don't force you to listen to death metal. You could change the channel when I play heavy metal songs on the show. Just go down the list. Nobody has the right to use force on another person to tell them how to live or what to do with their lives or what to do with their property that they have justly acquired peacefully and voluntarily. Of course, there's a lot of things that aren't acquired peacefully or justly or voluntarily. Like everybody says to me, like since I'm 21, you know, Alex, you got to be mature and go out and get, a, and get a job. Well, what's so mature about having a job that, that is involved with killing people? There's nothing mature about that to me. That's the Keynesian argument for economics is that, you know, a job is a job and all jobs are good. Well, what about the guy who had a job, you know, in Nazi Germany bulldozing all the dead bodies from the gas chambers? He had a good job, you know, that's a that's a good job to keep. Eventually, we got to draw the line and say, well, maybe jobs are supposed to be actually productive and offer services to people, not be based on the use of force and, and coercion and bulldozing piles of dead bodies. If we actually go and understand economics, we might actually have more prosperity if we just say, well, please give us jobs, anything, even if it involves killing people or or engaging in legal theft or fraud, you know, getting a job as a Federal Reserve banker, you know, that's that's quite a job. That's a mature job, you know, engaging in the largest fraud in history. If you want to go on CNBC and watch American Greed about these guys why don't they do a, a special on the Fed and all these people are, uh, fractional reserve banking in itself is one massive fraud for the profit of the elite bankers. So I think profit in a truly uh, free economy system or free market uh, means that you can't use force or fraud to procure those profits. So it ends at that point. These big bankers are using force and fraud. Again, since they're involved with war, you know, and especially a lot of times funding both sides of wars, that really they are not acquiring their property justly or voluntarily. If we did, if libertarians did achieve their political go- goals of abolition, we would have a total reversal of our economic structure. You know, big oil gets funding from the government, and certainly the prohibition of hemp prevents competition, and really the only so supposed alternative green energies are really big green like big green ink the ones that can uh grease politicians palms better than the others so there's really no freedom for real alternative energy or forms of free and non-metered energy to be explored and not even hemp the entire wall street financial system would go away because of fractional reserve banking would go away There's a reason why the Koch brothers supported Romney over Gary Johnson. There's a reason why Ron Paul and and Gary Johnson and really anybody that kind of challenges the international finance mechanism based on central banking and and fractional reserve banking, they never really make it into politics because they lack the funding to compete with the marketing campaigns of these huge banker-funded candidates, the last ones being President Obama and Mitt Romney. So a lot of people try to say that libertarianism is kind of good for the corporations. Well, no, there would kind of be a massive upheaval of our artificial retail based consumption economy, you know, where we're nothing but banks and Geico commercials and insurance companies. Like there was a great Saturday night live skit where it was a bunch of, you know, pretentious CNET reviewers criticizing the the iPhone and a bunch of peasant uh, factory workers saying, well, well, what does America make? (laughs) And I thought that was absolutely priceless. We make nothing. Why don't we start growing hemp, creating hemp jobs, actually producing our own raw materials instead of going to war for oil to make plastics out of? And plastic is just in about everything we buy. So, really, you know, whether we get to a progressive overheaval, you know, back to, you know, kind of like a, a, you know, like a libertarian or uh, you know, or, or, or even, you know, anarcho-socialism or anarcho-communism or whatever kind of forms, of stateless interactions with each other. Um, and of course, you know, the state is involved in protecting the fractional reserve banking system. Um, there would be a massive upheaval of the way our economy works. And it, it would certainly, uh, be not unlike anything we experience today, you know, with fast food and genetically engineered foods. And no, again, going back to hemp, hemp would literally, in my view, I, I, to some it may seem like an overstatement, but for me, since anything and everything that's made out of plastic could just as easily be made out of hemp plastic or hemp paper, hemp cardboard, hemp clothing, hemp foods, hemp fuel, hemp housing. It may not be the answer all to everything, and we don't want to create a bubble out of it. Certainly, with hemp legalized, oil would be severely reduced to a real market equilibrium that it would exist to only the extent that people would actually demand it. The only reason people demand it today is because they have no other choice, because oil companies have accrued for themselves a nice little monopoly, both of land, of the tech, of, of fuel that we can only use... Uh, you know, these uh, oil fuel in our cars and, and then to finances and, and being tied into these big elite Wall Street Federal Reserve bankers. You know There is a reason why the libertarian viewpoint and as well as the libertarian green and justice parties and other alternative candidates that would overhaul the system really never make traction. So again, you know, living free in your own life, that's one, but also abolition. So maybe we won't have a because a cop is going to put the gun to our head, no matter what we think, for using alternative currencies, for using medical cannabis with these hollow point bullets. You can't really live free with a hollow point bullet in your head. So it would have been nice if Ron Paul or Gary Johnson or Jill Stein or Rocky Anderson would have been president right now, not killing Pakistanis, not procuring hollow point bullets, um, really uh, from an abolitionist perspective. That's the role for libertarianism in politics. It's not to control the state to our own agenda. It's to decentralize power and get rid of it. And uh, and anything else is not is just you know compromise. There's nothing wrong with you know saying well we don't have to get to the ideal ideal overnight, but it'll be nice if we abolish these things so cannabis can grow freely. We can use alternative currencies and cops won't be uh, pointing guns in our faces or or the Department of Homeland Security procuring all these hollow Point bullets. Hopefully we as uh, concerned citizens can really uh, come to this realization and maybe because we have to rely on these ass clowns in Congress and everywhere else to do their jobs until maybe the next election when some of us that choose to vote, vote, and maybe enough of us will wake up in time. But again, um, it also takes civil disobedience and an education and just living your principles in your own life so there's a multi-pronged approach to changing the world not just political but uh, in so many other ways and again one of those is independent art you know I believe that true art enhances life and makes it more positive so this last song is called Nung Stands by Cynic from their album Trace and Air again freethoughtmedia.org facebook.com freethoughtradio facebook.com radio and facebook.lrn.fm podcast will be up tomorrow on iTunes Freethought AAC, and podcasting throughout the week at lrn.fm the liberty radio network see you guys next week thank you all for tuning in
6: You're listening to KKSM 1320 AM Oceanside.